Friday, August the 5th, we've got a Louisiana Cup special here. It's Louisiana Downs Big Day on Saturday, so we're going to talk all about the Big Saturday, and we'll finish up with a preview of the NFC East with Eric, so we'll hit the Cowboys, we'll hit the Giants, we'll hit the Eagles, we'll hit the Commanders. Yeah, the Commanders. Before that, we're going to talk all about the Saturday card at Louisiana Downs. This Saturday, Louisiana Downs has a card with six stakes races for Louisiana Breads. In those six stakes, 60 horses entered. So the pick six, the pick five, the pick four, they're all stakes. Pick five, pick four, pick sixes. We're going to get into all of those races. And we're going to set you up for the day with a couple different guests. First up, Martha Claussen helps us out. We go through the press release that she put out, and we preview the races with some of the big names in each. Following that, we'll talk with Racing Secretary Matt Crawford about how everything came together and about the uh, fields lined up for Saturday. After that, we talk with Staten Flurry, whose name I butchered when speaking with him. I was <laughs> watching some baseball stuff and thinking Stanton and stuff before. So apologies, uh, Staten, who I was uh, calling by the wrong name, which is nicely, nicely done, Gino. But uh, we spoke with him all about Lady Flurry and about She Dares the Devil, who was running in the Grade 1 Clement L. Hirsch on Saturday at Del Mar. And then Lady Flurry is a favorite in the Louisiana Downs juvenile Phillies stakes race on Saturday. Then we dive into a full preview of the stakes card. I had Phil Cleek and Robert from Louisiana Horse Reporters join me to talk all about the stakes the stakes portion of the card. We went through races two through six. We spent an hour and a half going race by race. If you actually want to check out the video, I posted it on social media. We use the D, uh, DRF daily racing form past performances to go into each race. So if you want to follow along with us visually, you can head over to Twitter or to Facebook or to my YouTube account. I've got the uh, post on all of those. I'm going to pull the audio from that and we'll get into that with uh, Phil and with Robert. And then we'll finish up with the NFC East preview with Eric, so all about Louisiana Downs for Saturday. It's a big day. It is Louisiana Cup Day on Saturday, and our first guest is going to be Martha Clausen. Uh, before we talk with Martha, we let you know that all of our coverage and all of our uh, episodes here are presented by Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets. Make sure to give them a follow on Twitter. They have a great crew. Uh, I host a lot of shows over there. They provide free handicapping and gambling analysis for all sports also for uh, horse racing if you're a fan of woodbine or the standard bread action up at woodbine mohawk previews for those on mondays and on fridays check out btv bets on twitter let's dive in to our first conversation martha clausen joins me to set the scene for saturday at louisiana downs <laughs> Saturday is the biggest day of the meet at Louisiana Downs. It's Louisiana Cup Day. Saturday, August the 6th, we have six stakes races, each of them just under $70,000. They The field sizes for Saturday, 
All of the stakes races have at least a field of eight So we are going to see some of the best Louisiana breads running And some great betting opportunities Anytime there's big days at a track that she covers And she knows we have to bring in our friend Martha Clausen And to get she helps get us all set up She puts out the press releases for everything going on at Louisiana Downs So on the big day, it's time to talk to Martha How we doing, friend? Really good, Gino. Really good, and and we just love all that you're doing uh, for for you know your previews and all the great PR and all the great uh, tweets you're doing for Louisiana Downs. Super exciting day. You know, uh, Louisiana has all of each track has a state day where kind of like we did at Texas Champions Day where we salute the breeders, the owners, the trainers, the jockeys, and this one came up really good this year. I mean, I've been going back and forth to Shreveport for probably seven years, but this is the one I'm most excited about. Yeah, it's strong. We, what's great about these days, they're they're like a little mini Breeders' Cup day for the state breads. You get to yeah. you get a chance to look at horses from all different divisions, from all different ages. You get to look at some of the future stars in the juvenile and with the fillies, and then some horses like Ned A. Bear, who have been around for a while that have people have become so familiar with that have done some great work in Louisiana. So it really does seem like. The racing came up very, very strong, and I look forward to diving in and talking with you about it. Absolutely. Let's go. Okay, so uh, before we mention it, though, you're going to be live on on track, and you will be hanging out with John McGarry, who I've had such a blast working with. You guys are going to do a preview of the stakes card before. Give us a little bit of info on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I almost forgot about it. Noon at noon, we have a nice little um, uh, little sports pub area called the Inside Rail, and it's free. It's real comfortable, free to the public. And John and I will go through the entire card and obviously focus more on the stakes action. And it's always a lot of fun. Uh, John's very funny. He's very clever. He's kind of a little bit crazy, but. <laughs> But we love that about him. But we'll focus on all the races, give out our plays, talk, you know, obviously take some questions from the fans. And that's at noon. We're doing a little earlier. And then one o'clock we kick off uh, with, um, you know, a race. And then we go straight into our stakes portion beginning in race two. And it's a really great day for everyone. If you're in the area, head on out there. There's going to be stuff for the whole family, live music, bounce houses for the kids, water slides, face painting. There, Everyone's going to get a $5 free wager, food trucks all over the place. You get the handicapping preview show with Martha, with John. And they even have a really good, uh, schol- a cool scholarship program from the Louisiana Thoroughbred Breeders Association. Two scholarships, each valued at $1,000, will be giving away. Yeah, it's all it's for college students now or those enrolling in the fall. And uh, LTBA has been really generous about that. All the major events, they go and they do it. You don't have to fill out forms and essays. You just have to be there and register to win. So I put it up. I think you retweeted. Thank you so much. If anybody has any Louisiana-based college students, have them come over, register. They'll, we'll draw after race five. And then, of course, they get to stick around and watch the great racing all day. Well, let's get into talking about some of that great racing. The stakes action starts in race number two. If you're following along, we're looking at August the 6th. We're looking at race two at Louisiana. It's the Louisiana Cup Juvenile. We have seen for both the the boys and the, the Phillies this year some impressive juveniles in Louisiana running at Louisiana Downs. And in this particular race, the horse who will likely take a lot of the money is King's Loot. For Carl Woodley, who's going to draw the rail, and he was very impressive winning his debut. He won by six plus lengths, and he's a half to a multiple stakes place runner. And Woodley has only sent in live horses at the meet so far. 
Yeah, you know, it's kind of cool. Carl Woodley was a jockey and he's been training for quite some time. But I love talking to trainers uh, that were jockeys because they see it from both sides, you know. And uh, and he talked about the horse. He said, geez, he said, you know, he's a big, big kind of he, he described big gangly horse. And when he ran, he was like, he didn't really get out of the gate. He's never going to get out of the gate fast. But once he got his stride, he was really going. And, uh, you know, it, it, so it's a nice debut. There's a couple of them in there that have already won a race and we'll have to see how they, you know, how they uh, do once they hit the stakes level. I mean, to me, that's pretty ambitious. You break your maiden, you go into stakes 67,000, but wait, why not? You know, so he's pumped up. I asked him about the rail. He said he didn't think the horse would uh, would have an issue because, you know, he's been there before. Joel Dominguez, um, very, you've seen him now that you've been following yep very talented and super humble. He works so hard. So it's nice. I always love it when um, the local riders get to keep the stakes horses on a big day. I think he's done very well with that horse. Yeah. And I think as you were mentioning, like sort of positive for him moving forward is that he is like big and it, he probably shouldn't even have been winning at four and a half or at these shorter distances because he might be getting better as they go a little longer. Uh, but again, like you said, on the flip side, if he's a little slow again, maybe the rail can be an issue. But with more experience and he's in very good hands, he yeah, with both trainer and jockey, he was was so, so impressive. Another horse who you mentioned a little bit in your uh, in your write up who I was extremely impressed with was the uh, the number four ranch water for trainer Alan Landry in World War for racing because he won in ways that you really don't see two-year-olds in first-time starters win. He came from basically dead last, yeah. like six or seven lengths out of it, and went all the way around. I mean, it was really, really impressive. Well, it impressed Alan, too, because he's won <laughs> A couple of years ago, he had a real nice uh, juvenile named Choo Choo's Legacy, came back and won another division last year. And Alan told me, he said, I think this horse is as good as Choo Choo was. So you love it when you hear the trainers talk about that. Uh, but overcoming adversity in a young horse, that I agree with you, Gino. That's super impressive. Alan is is a force, you know. I mean, he's dedicated. You don't see him. Out, well, actually, I did see him one time at Sam Houston. But you really don't see him out of the region the way you would around Fauché or some of these other guys. He stays in Louisiana. He supports the racing, and he's got some really good ones. He's excited about Ranch Water, so that's a good one. Uh, Whispering Hill Farms, who I've really, really admired uh, what they do. They're standing Iron Fist and some other really good stallions, and they have a little homebred named Kit Kat Kid, who also mm -hmm. brought Maiden his first, uh, um, asking Steve Flint. You know, since I've gotten to know some of the Louisiana trainers, we got some characters down there. Steve Flint, the son of Bernie Flint, he is absolutely certifiably so much fun. That's all I have to say. Yeah, and, this one's got a good little... Yo, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say, he's actually hired by Whispering Hill Farms. He's a private trainer for uh, Carol Castile, who owns that farm. So it's always interesting because he gets to see these horses from the minute they're babies till he, you know, and I think he's really enjoyed that. He used to travel. He did. He worked for Asmussen, believe it or not, Steve Flint. He was up in Canada. He went all over. But now he loves staying in Louisiana, working for Carol Castile at Whispering Hill Farms. And they've got some nice horses. He's pretty high on kids. Kit Kat kid as well. Yeah. Dam was a four time winner and a uh, half sibling to Louisiana bred stakes winner. So a nice little pedigree there too. The race that he won, the third place finisher already came back to win. So that's come back live. It's a good group here. You know, Bisping went over to Belmont and tried a stakes race after he was super impressive breaking his maiden at Evangeline. 
And then you have a, a Joe Foster first time starter on the outside who's actually got a nice little pedigree too. Who's this is a tough spot, but they have to be uh, pretty high on that one to debut. It's a good way to kick off. The stakes races and what's nice It's also when the uh, 20 cent pick six jackpot Begins so if you're someone who's interested In a pick six jackpot that's going to start In race number two so Martha anything else you want to mention about the juvenile Before we move along no we can move Along I love that race I think it's going to be really Good I haven't heard any um, Any horses defecting at this point so I think we're going to have a nice full field in race number three, we have the Louisiana Cup Distaff. They'll be going a mile and a 16th on the turf. This one kicks off the pick five, which will have a small little carryover in the pick five. And the headliner in here, no doubt about it, will be Net A Bear. This will be her 20th Louisiana bred stakes race. She's won eight of them. She's finished in the top three in 15 of the 19 stakes that she's been in for Louisiana breads. Uh, she's won a 10 time stakes winner overall. Cause she's been in a couple in open company. She has won a stakes race each of the last four years just yeah. to show the longevity in 2019, 20, 21 and 22. And I think in, in your write up, you were talking about how she's won at all the Louisiana tracks as well. She's just so impressive. And, you know, Alan could have run her in the sprint, but he really believes she's just much better on the turf. The only thing he was worried about is it coming off the turf. And I've heard it's going to be hot. I don't think we have to worry about the rain. Oh, he's so proud of her. And the breeders, there's two women that bred her. Of course, I love the fact that you know how to pronounce her name because you said a bear, you know, mm-hmm. When I, last year when I was doing the interview, I said Netta Bear, and, and uh, Laura Petrie was very sweet afterwards, but she corrected me. She said, no, the family, you know, they get, a bear is like Smith. And, <laughs> you know, yep. So she's no, no, it's named after one of our family members, a bear. So net a bear, but she, and even and Alan calls her Netta Bear sometimes. I was like, Alan, you're going to get in trouble, but I don't think he's going to get in trouble. <laughs> but, uh, she's so impressive and you know this will uh unless they change their mind Gino it looks like it'll be the last time for us to see her at Louisiana Downs because he said she's going to the breeding shed next year yeah I mean since last July she's raced 11 times and she's won eight she has eight wins two uh second and then uh a third she's proven at Louisiana she's so cool she's proven on the dirt the turf off track she's yeah. coming up on seven hundred thousand dollars in earnings and she is the type of horse that these days and nights these state bred stakes race uh, days are all about these horses that are like this where she's been so great she's been able to step up into open company but she's the type of mare who just she it's so nice that there's big money and big stakes races to run for because she gets an opportunity to to show what she's really gotten it's been fun to uh, to be able to watch her run over the last couple of years and this will be the first time this year she gets to strut her stuff at louisiana yeah and uh you know she's funny thing is she's not the most flashy, gorgeous, you know, striking mare. Uh, she's just, she just goes out and does her thing. And Alan never messes with her. You know, he basically is like, you, you know, you know what she needs to do. You're not going to mess with her. She's really a sweet, a sweet mare. The people love her. And, the, you know, a lot of times people say, I want to get some value in the race. Well, as far as I'm concerned, no. Come on, Netta Bear, win one more time before you go off to the breeding shed. That's my motto. You know? Yep, yep. The uh, the other who you mentioned a little in, in your write-up was four. Polk, who's very, very talented herself. She has a couple wins at Louisiana to set herself up for this. She's been in five stakes races and she's won one of them. She's finished second in a couple and she's finished third. So she's performed very well against stakes. She actually defeated Net A Bear back in December at Fairgrounds on the dirt. But as you said, I think 
I think Nene Bear is, is better and, and just has a little bit more on the turf And so I think it, these two matching up on the turf We've seen Fort Polk be defeated by uh, by the rival there a, a few times before And so everyone's really going to have to be on their A game If they want to step up and beat this mare Yeah, and I mean, you know, the only one that kind of, uh, you know uh, I hate to say she could turn the table But that cheapskate diva, and I love the name uh, She's making her stakes debut and she's she's won three in a row, and she's young. She's a four-year-old uh, filly by Animal Kingdom, but and she just tuned up recently here. So I don't know. You know, those are the type of things that you know. Kind of a wild card. Because she definitely is young, she definitely capable. She likes the track surface, uh, and if for some reason Netta Bear doesn't have the best break, doesn't get out the way she normally does, you know, you might see something like that. But you know, for the most part, for me. I really don't even want to discuss it any further because I want Bear to win. And I know how much her connections love and appreciate her. Uh, you know, hang on one second because I, for some reason, forgot. It's, it's Timmy Thornton that's got the call, right? He, he's riding her, right? Let me just see. Uh, oh, oh yeah, Tim, Tim, yeah. Yeah, Timmy. Uh, Tim and Joe Stokes, he's a, a journeyman rider. I don't know if you remember him. He used to ride at Mountaineer a long time ago, got hurt badly, came back, and now he's in Louisiana. Joe Stokes, he is very, very good. He's a solid veteran. But Tim Thornton has the call on Nettie Bear um, Saturday. Yep, he's and he came over to ride a very impressive first-time starter just uh, uh, last week over at Louisiana, someone who wins a lot of races uh, anywhere that he goes. As uh, we go to race number four, the Louisiana Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one, we have a field of 11 lining <laughs> up. This is a huge, and it's a sprint race with 11. They're yeah. going to be going quick. So there could be all sorts of traffic and issues, but it should be such a fun betting race. From the inside, you have Free Like a Girl for Chassis Pommier. And she's running 10 stakes races so far as a three-year-old. She's won five of them. She's been in a couple graded stakes races. She's a stakes winner. She's grade three place. She's already earned over $420,000. She's been very impressive. She has. And, you know, the cute story about that is I I was at uh, Delta earlier in the year for their premiere day where they have the same format like cup day, but it's anyway. And so she won and, uh, and I was going to talk to Chasey cause she's really young and sweet, but I look over and I said, is that Kim Stover, Kim Stover that used to ride at Sam Houston when I was there full-time PR? Yes, it is. And so Kim Stover and her sister, Lisa actually purchased this Philly when she was in foal, they went to a sale, purchased her for $500. Foal wow. Term. And uh, that's the pride and joy of that entire family. And she's just unbelievable. And they've taken some heat because they've sent her, you know, they sent her to the honeybee grade three. They sent her up there. They've sent her up to, uh, you know, Prairie Meadows. And people say, shouldn't she stay in Louisiana? And they just believe in her. I mean, she's so gritty. She will, she just run her heart out anytime. So I really respect her, you know, grade three placed and she's coming back here. And uh, wow, it'll be really, really interesting to see what happens with, with her. This race came up tough <laughs> It did And she's got the rail which might not be easy in a full field Because if you don't get out of that gate quickly Going six And you get shuffled back You get stuck in some traffic I mean, You look through the rest of this field From Spirited Beauty You mentioned Snowball in your write up Who was last year's winner uh, Or won this in 2020 Was third I believe last year A former winner of this race before You've got Fame Feather for Ron Fauché Canada's Customs is in really nice form right now Drop Dead Sexy for the 
for the Wilson Barn has been awesome into um I, Fauche has he could win this with any one of a few here. This is a good group. I, I actually think he may only run two, but I'm not 100% sure which two. But I think Ron has three in there, but I think he's only going to run two. But, uh, yeah, no, he's really talented. Ron's going to have some good ones. That You're right, Canada's custom. Ooh, impressed me. And those are Asmussen owners that he loves. Spencer Farm and then the Heilig Broads from Houston. Steve will always tell me, because I've known him for a long time, the Texas people are the one that got him started. He has so much allegiance to them and the Ackerley brothers and all these people in Texas that first got him started. So she's nice. And I just put a post up and thank you for uh, for uh, tweeting it. But custom for Carlos is apparently the leading. This changes a lot with these Louisiana Stallions, but leading um, has the most success this year, 2022. So anyway, this is a custom for Carlos. Um, uh, Philly, and she looks real, real talented. So I love it. Snowball is kind of, I think she's tailing off a little bit, but you yeah. can leave her out, but she's, you know, extraordinary. The quality, uh, the depth of that field, it's going to be, again, super, super fun. I'm shocked because in the past we've had, you know, maybe a five horse field with one major standout. This one is going to be crazy good. It is really good. 11 lining up, and that kicks off the pick four in race number four there in the Louisiana Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. We move to race number five. It's the Louisiana Cup Turf Classic, and this one will be headlined by Carlia's Dream, who has just overall been extremely impressive and got a nice sort of prep. Last time out, winning over here and kind of an easy victory, winning by four. That's like a really good race to set you up for a big stakes performance. So this is going to be his sixth stakes. He won this thing last year. He's mm-hmm. been faced. He's faced Open Company a lot through his career, and he's you know stakes placed against Open Company. This is a nice, nice horse. Yeah, he's a uh, super nice, and uh, Karen Jacks is a lovely, lovely um, person. You know, I've seen her quite a few times at Sam Houston. She's won quite a few stakes there. She's a horsewoman, and she's married to a vet, Dr. Jacks, and he, you know, between the two of them, and then their owner, Carl Moore, used to do a lot with Brett Calhoun, but Brett's kind of branched out a little bit more into, you know, Kentucky and other places, so he tapped Car- uh, Karen, and he's got some horses with her. I think uh, Carl's going to be there on Saturday, too, but, you know, what she, last year he made it look so easy and I thought well, I've never heard of this horse is he going to handle the full field the turf always comes up at the full field just did it in style Lindy Wade had a couple days off from uh, Canterbury came in beautiful ride just pace 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 then boop just let it out a notch and won easily I don't think he ever even you know uh, had to uh, hold his stick but uh, Lindy can't get away from Canterbury. So Iram Diego has been working um, Carlia's dream. And Karen feels really strongly that he's going to do a jo- good job. She said this horse is just really matured. He's breaking better. I didn't know the turf sire Leah, but he's got some Galileo in his. Uh, if you go back a couple of generations, I mean, that's a stone cold uh, turf runner. We just don't see a lot of them in Texas and Louisiana. You may have seen more out in California, but Karen loves this horse. So, you know, I love the way she, she, you know, Lone Star wasn't a great race for him. So what does she do? She brings him back to Louisiana, does a little prep and gets him ready, gets him confident. And he's ready to defend his title. Yeah. And he ran into a tough horse there at Lone Star too. Tut's Revenge, who's earned like 450,000. He's like an 11 time winner. And 
It'll all come down to you know how the races shape up. Always come down to pace. A horse like Manglison for, for Ron Fauche, he's very capable when he can get the lead. He's just a little one-dimensional. So if if he has to deal with some other pressure, and if a couple others go, he he probably doesn't have as great of a chance. But if he gets like a length on the field, he's a horse who's pretty tough to run down. He's a ten-time winner. I think he's making his fifth stakes appearance now. He's, he has a win in one of these Louisiana bred. Type stakes races and so he You know he could be the type for a Very capable connections and I think You're a big fan of Carlos Lozada aren't you Oh yeah yeah (laughs) The last three weeks to a month He has been just in a Zone it's like every move That you that he's making Is the right one it's incredible I love any sport any athlete Watching someone in the zone if he goes inside He ends up making the right move In a hole opens he goes to the outside and that's the right One he goes to the lead and slows it down It's just he's been awesome Yeah very very talented guy Uh, Got a great agent Ronnie Ardorn You know the former rider that uh, won 5,000 races in Louis you know all, All the Places, but Louisiana too. But the two of them work really, really well together, you know. And then my buddy John McG- uh, John Dooley up at uh, Indy uh, sent a little tweet today. The Behemoth Star. He watched that horse um, win the stakes at uh, Fairgrounds, uh, the guitar, uh, Star Guitar uh, for Evelyn Benoit. And so he said he's excited about seeing Behemoth Star come back. And that's Jose Camejo. He's a trainer to watch. You know, he's a young guy. He, he's got a lot of good horses, so that's going to be an interesting one, too. But I did have to put in a note about Big Chopper because, um, you know, Scott Gellner is such good horseman. He doesn't get a whole lot of hype and credit, but he won this race a couple of years ago for that same owner with a horse named In the Navy. And Scott knows how to get these turf horses ready. And he said, you know, we, we ran him and then he, he came off a of freshening and he was working so good. I just really think he's ready for a good effort. So he's one everybody might want to keep an eye on too. Big chopper. Yeah, and his only turf race came against Open Company at Lo- at Lone Star back in May. His dam was a seven-time winner on the turf, and he's a half sibling to another four uh, to a four-time winner on the turf. So he has a little bit of upside, making yeah. just his second start on the turf. It's a another good group. We have a group of twelve lined up with a couple also eligibles for the Louisiana Cup Turf Classic. Anything else to mention before we hit the juvenile fillies? No, I think, uh, you know, I wish I could cover every horse, but well, like I say, thank you for pointing out the handicapping seminar with John McGarry. We'll go through each horse and hopefully also see, you know, if there's any other horses that we think we can give out so people can pay these big exotics and have a really good betting day as well. I'm I'm going to on Friday. So people will probably hear this on the, our conversation on Thursday on Friday on social media, I'm going to go through and post like little tidbits about all the horses running. So little bits in info. It's a good day. This is a cool day for the Louisiana breads in the state. So I want to give all the the horses a, a little bit of a a spotlight this weekend coming in, and the betting fields are awesome. And we head into the juvenile fillies. Um, as I speak with you, I actually had a conversation just uh, about an hour before you and I are recording with Staten Flurry from Flurry Racing Stables, and and he's got Lady Flurry in here. Who wow, he has a, quite a big weekend coming up with Lady Flurry here, and she dares the devil running in a Grade One at Del Mar. And Lady Fleury was so impressive And this one is special to him As a horse that he also He has bred and he you know He had the dam so She won by nine She got a big speed figure and there was A lot of buzz after her win 
Yeah, he was he was kind of saying because um, unfortunately, Emmanuel Nieves, who rode her, got injured a couple of weeks ago and had surgery on his broken arm. But it was funny. She came off the track and uh, and uh, Staten said to her, you always set a track record. He said, I didn't want to push her too hard, you know. So, I mean, she's really impressive. They love her. He's got to get a new jockey. But he told me Christian Torres was riding for him at Oaklawn and did a good job. He's a good young rider. So, you know, Staten's got the magic touch. He's got, you know, I know him because when he came, he brought Mr. Misunderstood down there when we had the renewal of the first Super Derby we brought back was a turf race. And Mr. Mis Mr. Misunderstood came in and won it and then just completely went up the charts with stakes wins. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm sure you saw in the notes that even though he loves She Dares the Devil, he said, Mr. Misunderstood will always be my favorite horse. He got him on the, you know, he basically, he set, he set the bar for him. And so uh, I was so disappointed that he can't come, but he has to be out in Del Mar. So anyway, I hope she runs well and she could go on to big stuff. We also have a Tom Amos trainee. He sends in uh, What Can I Say, a horse who beat Open Company and will now shift in with Louisiana Breads. We've got a couple other really impressive ones down towards the inside. You have a, a stakes placed one for Joe Duhon with Guitar Woman. Janet is ready, actually won a stakes yeah. over at Prairie Meadows and beat Open Company. So this is not just going to be a walkover for the impressive Lady Flurry. No, exactly. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, she, that's the one thing about these races. I love it when you see somebody who just comes out and blazes. But keep in mind, and I know you pointed this out a lot in your handicapping, she beat four in that race, you know, and now she's going to face a much, you know, more intense compact feel which you know as far as the pace you know she may get an easy lead she may have to rate and figure it out with a new jockey so uh not that i i don't want her to win because i love staten but i'm just saying you know it's a little more complicated than that yeah tom amos is a cool guy he's getting ready to win his 4,000th win but he won't be there saturday either he'll be up at saratoga but he's pretty high in her he said you know she she didn't break well but she she really drew off well that was what impressed it and he thought she could do either. She could either go to the front or she could come off the pace. But, you know, he is shipping her for the first time. So there's always that concern. But that's going to be a good one. And like we said, Janet is ready. Wow, Chasey, you know, DeVille, Pommier, she's got some really good horses. And this horse, to break their maiden and then go up to the Prairie Gold Lassie, $100,000 race. And she was 21 to 1 and she didn't care. <laughs> yeah, it was It was a good effort, too. And, yeah, this... Again, each of these races has come up so contentious that even even if the the headliners and the favorites win, they're going to earn it in these right. spots. This is not four or five horse stakes fields like like honestly, we've seen it in a lot of places that even a lot of the bigger tracks we'd see fields in stakes races that are a little bit short. That is not the case this weekend mm -hmm. at Louisiana Downs as we get to the final. Of the six stakes races, it's going to go as race number seven. It's the Louisiana Cup Sprint, and this one is a, feels a little bit more wide open yes. than than yes. some of the others, right? Because you have Creole Charlie, who's listed as the morning line favorite, but this is actually going to be he's he's never won a stakes race before. He's hit the board in his other three, but we don't really have a whole ton of the real real veteran type horses that are in great form. In fact. We have one that's kind of uh, an interesting horse, Double Barrel Man, another Alan Landry. He claimed this one, and he has been sort of an old vet. This is a nine-year-old who's been in 13 other stakes races. He's a 14-time winner. He's earned 500000 He hasn't really been facing stakes company as much lately, but he's certainly capable. 
He was the state's actually Carl Broberg had him a couple of years ago and he won quite a few stakes in, in Texas. Um, and then he got claimed, you know, it's unbelievable when these horses have the ability to keep running as, you know, in, you know, as they age and just not giving anything up. I mean, look at him. He's won, uh, you know, like, uh, what, uh, 400,000 means some, oh, 500,000. 550. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, but I, you know, uh, especially in the heat now, again, I don't want to ever demean anybody's chances, but I kind of, and I'm looking at the Alan Landry horse, probably like Brian's iron Mike a little bit better. He's a three-year-old and Alan again, you know, he said he's by iron fist and I don't, do you remember, did you ever see iron fist? Cause he won the max M gold cup. At Sam. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. Big old gray, gorgeous, gorgeous strapping horse. I love Iron Fist. But, um, you know, so he's really high high on him. Um, but, yeah, no, exactly. This is the wide open, and this is the one that if you're going to go deep, I'd go all. For me, if I put together a ticket, I want to go all in that sprint because I don't really have total conviction in any of them, but I think it could be a huge price. Because well, you can make legitimate cases for horses like the three Black Sword or yeah. the 11 Yankee 7, who right. has a couple – Sort of lackluster races recently But just back in March He's beating a stakes group With a lot of these names And he's beating yeah. horses like looking for Loki And Birdie's Galaxy it two to, Takes two to tango He's very fast I mean he could yeah. clear the field X-Clown, which is cool Named after a, a play a, foop, a, a football play there Proven at Louisiana He was impressive in his last start I mean this is You're right It, it Ends with probably the most contentious And competitive race on the card so if you're Alive in like a pick four or a pick five or a Pick six good luck closing out in this race You're not going to feel comfortable unless you have all It's going to be it's going to be so much Fun so I really appreciate you You know letting your your followers Know about this I mean we don't you know Louisiana Downs doesn't get a whole lot of time And attention especially racing on a Saturday afternoon With Del Mar and with and with Saratoga but you know in all it's, it's going to be a great card. There's going to be great betting opportunities. And again, a tribute to these hardworking Louisiana breeders, owners, trainers. You know, when these state bred races, I agree with you, Gino, we have to let these people have their day in the sun because they work as hard as the Asmussen's and the Brad Cox's and any of the other, you know, um, you know, supreme kind of guys in our business. They probably work harder, actually. So it's really nice to let them have an opportunity to shine. It's there. Uh, these are the back the programs that are like the backbone of the racing industry because at every track at every level you have horses that are not running for stakes money. You know you have a lot of lower level races everywhere you go, and so this is really great when we get to you know shine a little spotlight on these excellent horsemen who just don't get to run for uh, the bigger stakes money quite as uh, as often. So I look forward to promoting and. Uh, Helping everyone out there make some money this weekend And Martha we always appreciate talking with you So for everyone that's in the area They're going to head on out and they're going to hang out with you And with John and they're going to get more insight from you Give us the information on that one more time Before we let you get out of here Okay yeah at uh, noon uh, Well gates open at uh, 11 if they've got families All the kids activities on the apron Will start at 11 then John and I Will head to the inside rail in the air conditioned Comfort of the grandstand thank you <laughs> For our handicapping seminar At noon and then we'll kick off the card at 145 and the first stakes will come at a, a little bit before quarter of two i mean at uh, 215 and uh we've got seven races total for the day free admission there's a casino right on site so a lot of stuff to do inside and outside and of course full card simulcasting too so you don't have to miss your saratoga and del mar but you can enjoy um you know hanging out with us at uh, louisiana downs
Yeah, it's a good compliment while it's going. And we have this quick seven race card too. So it's just a few hours while you're playing some of the other big races. We'll help you out before and after each race. Myself and John McGarry with picks and uh, and some analysis on the broadcast. And always great to hear from Martha out there. Martha, thank you so much. I know you're busy. I know you're going to be traveling soon out to Louisiana. So safe travels. And I look forward to talking to you over the weekend. My pleasure as always, Gino. Thank you. You know what I always say about you. You're one of the most positive, hardworking people in our industry and we need you. So stay, you and I both have to stay healthy. Oh yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> We've been struggling a little lately, so we'll uh, we'll try to uh, do our best and uh, and take it easy a little bit. We're gonna give you a follow on Twitter at Martha Clausen with uh, two S's there and one N. So Martha, have an awesome weekend and thank you so much, like always, for helping us out and giving us such great info. You're so welcome. Have a good one yourself, Gino. Folks, don't go anywhere. We're going to continue on getting you all set up for the big weekend, the big Saturday at Louisiana Downs. Always a great chat with Martha when she helps us out with racing from Texas, Louisiana. Uh, We talked with her, I think, Indy also. So she gets us all set up all over the place. Big thank you to Martha, and make sure to head on out and uh, listen for more information from Martha if you're in the area on Saturday. We move next into our conversation with Racing Secretary Matt Crawford. A couple of my interviews this week had the audio that wasn't all that great, and it it's definitely my fault. I'm awful, I'm awful with some of the technical stuff, and I, I'll, I'll keep working on it, but apologies. You could hear everything that Matt says, and I think the same thing with Staten. There was a little bit of static coming up, and a lot of times that's because I've got a wire loose somewhere, but you can hear everything that they uh, that we say and we talk about with them. It's just not as clean as I would normally like, so I'll continue to work on that. Uh, sorry about that, but not sorry about the interview with Matt. It was so nice to talk with him about the card that he was able to put together and compile with 60 entries in the stakes. Matt is the new racing secretary over at Louisiana Downs, so we chat with him uh, about how things are over at Louisiana and what we can look forward to. The big Saturday at Louisiana Downs is approaching and we have six stakes races for Louisiana Breads on Louisiana Cup Day. It's Saturday, August the 6th. In those six races, those six stakes, there are 60 horses entered in the stakes races. Not one of them has a field less than eight. And uh, in order to help us get set up and preview the day a little bit, we bring on one of the uh, the men who is responsible for putting together such a fantastic card, racing secretary over at Louisiana Downs, Matt Crawford. Matt, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Gino. I appreciate it. So first off, um, I'm kind of curious because I haven't ever really asked this question. What is your process like putting together a card like this? I'm sure a lot of phone calls go into it, owners, trainers, talking to different people. What's sort of the process in building a card like this? For stake races, yes. Yeah, it's all all uh, pre-written and, uh, you know, in the condition book, the dates are already set. So, you know, all the all the trainers uh, across the country that have uh, a Louisiana bred stake horses, you know, they they point for these races. Uh, you know, they ran the, uh, the, the the what they call their cup day at Evangeline uh, back in June. So we have the timing good, you know, for for tracks in the state. You know, we time them just right. So these horses can continue to run in these stake races. So, again, you know, it was in the book and it was dated. Then, you know, horses nominate. Uh, for the stakes, it's free nominations. Uh, trainers or owners will call in their horses' names, and we'll we'll compile a nomination list. And uh, and then when we go to enter, 
you know, they, they can enter off that nomination list. So uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's very popular for the Louisiana breads, you know, it's added money and uh, you know, uh, it's a decent amount of money for, uh, for the Louisiana breads. And it's so nice to run in the States uh, for, uh, you know, to keep it going. So. And what ends up happening on a lot of times when uh, these cards are some of my favorite cards in all of racing, the state bred cards, because these are the state bred horses that are basically like the lifeblood of, of horse racing. They're the horses that keep it going on the day in day out basis. Um, and what, what ends up happening is sometimes you'll have a couple divisions where you have some really, really nice horses. And so those fields end up being a little bit short, Matt, I, I can't imagine you could have, uh, you could have hoped for, numbers better than than the numbers that we're going to have on saturday for these six stakes races because we are getting the quality you know we can talk about net a bear in in a second and some of the best louisiana breads but every one of them is going to have a tough test because these are full fields they are yeah very very fortunate it's uh, like you said that you know there's been past races like this that you know they have one outstanding horse and you'll use were 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 very very uh yeah very unique and 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 came out in quantity so uh so it's very good yes and several of these races uh particularly that two-year-old philly race the uh the juvenile phillies is is just cram packed with with impressive maiden breakers you see your upcoming you know it was it, are you there it is as good of a card as you'll find anywhere this weekend and it's going to be at louisiana down so yeah you were talking about the uh the philly race a little bit and that's going to be um towards the back part of the card that's going to go as race number six the juvenile phillies we saw a horse in there named lady flurry who earned a huge buyer speed figure she had everybody buzzing after her win but she's gonna have to deal with some other real quality horses there are a couple John down to the inside that have already been in stakes. One of them was a winner. Janet is ready. She beat open company over at Prairie Meadows. Guitar woman was second in a stakes at Lone Star. And then you have Tom Amos chipping in. Uh, what can I say? I know he's sitting on a big milestone coming up soon. He, that's a salty group. It sure is. Yeah. Very good. I mean, you know, uh, just about every one of them, impressive maiden breakers. And then again, you know, some of them ran in stakes, guitar woman, Ran second uh, when I was over at Lone Star against Free Drop Maddie, that was, you know, one of the best two-year-olds on the grounds over there. And uh, you know, she's she still has not broke her maiden. You know, she she ran against Lady Flurry in the maiden race here at Louisiana Downs, and then ran second in the stake over there. But it's just cram packed with with impressive maiden breakers. A little earlier on in the card. Uh, Matt, we're going to get to see one of the best Louisiana breads in training. And she's just, she is what cards like this are all about. In race number three, we get to see the number two, Net A Bear, who is going to be making her 20th Louisiana bread stakes start. She's been in 19 so far. She's been in the top three in 15 of those 19. She's won eight of them. She's won on the dirt, on and off track. She's probably the best on the turf. And she's approaching 700000 in earnings. She's just so cool. She's so honest. I believe she's won a Louisiana bread stakes now in 2019, 20, 21, and 22. How cool a horse is she? She is awesome. You know, one of those ones that you uh, trainers dream to have. You know, just very versatile. You know, started, you know, that many times. And, 
and and that many times in the money, you know, it's made you know six over six hundred thousand for Louisiana bread is awesome, and she is she is the epitome of a of a Louisiana bread versatile steak mare, and uh, you know, I mean, granted, you know, there's there's horses in there in the race, you know, and and they're they're legit horses, you know, Fort Polk has loves the Louisiana Downs turf course. But again, Netta Bear runs everywhere and runs well. And she's going to be one of the stars of uh, Louisiana Cup Day on Saturday as uh, the stakes races begin in race number two. So the pick six, the pick five, the pick four, all of those sequences are going to be all stakes sequences, all of them with at least eight runners. They're all going to be really challenging betting opportunities. And we've seen things sort of shift a little bit this year, Matt. You've uh, you've just got out to Louisiana Downs. Uh, the wagering menu changed a little bit. They lowered the takeout, which has been um, very well received by some of the fans out there. What are some of the maybe the goals you have as a racing secretary, or and any plans that you may have? What would you like to see at Louisiana Downs? You know, moving forward under your watch. Oh, we're you know we're hoping to uh, you know increase the purse structure. You know, increase the quality of horses on the backside and uh, you know, that's, that, that takes some time, but you know, every year you, you try to strive for that. And, you know, we're, we're trying to work in the state, you know, with Evangeline Downs running and Louisiana Downs running at the same time, we're, we're, we're really hoping that we can, you know, uh, uh, adjust some dates for 2023 where there's less overlap, you know, for both tracks to be running against each other. Uh, it's just, it's just beneficial for the state for us to do that. But, you know, again, we'll, you know, we, we, we just hope that we can build purses and, and build the quality of horsemen and, uh, and the quality of horses on the backside and uh, continue to improve. So, Matt, how do you get into being a racing secretary? Kind of take us through, as I always, uh, I always like to talk with people that are involved in racing. How do you get into racing? And then how do you get to where you are being the, uh, the racing secretary at Louisiana? Oh, I actually... I actually trained, uh, started training in 1980, and uh, in fact, I was at Louisiana Downs for 11 years. Uh, it, uh, you know, I, I started as a trainer, and then in 1997, I became a racing official in the racing office uh, over at Lone Star Park. Uh, 2013, I started branching out. Uh, I actually was assistant race secretary for the quarter horse meet at, at, at Louisiana Downs. Uh, then became director of racing race secretary at Hialeah. From there, I moved on to Delta Downs uh, for three years. Uh, and then I went to Sam Houston and Zia Park with Penn Gaming, uh, was a racing secretary there. And then also did some stints in Canterbury and uh, Riedosa Downs. And then uh, I was back at Lone Star for a couple of years, uh, assistant and uh, race secretary for the quarter horse meet. And then was offered the job over here after uh, David Heisman had left and uh, and Russ Ramstead had retired. So uh, it was fortunate and and for me and you know I I I, I grabbed the opportunity. It was like coming back home, kind of. You know I was uh, had started my career basically as training at Louisiana Downs, and here I am as the race secretary. So it's a uh, was kind of a, a big circle to get back to Louisiana Downs, but. Uh, I, I was glad to, glad for the opportunity. And now this year, there's new management, um, new ownership. What have you felt or um, how has it seemed a little different? I, I know in working with just 
this new group, I wasn't really working with Louisiana a whole lot in prior years, but it seems like there's a real excitement and a real passion and that the people in charge are, are just wanting to do things the right way from everything that I felt. What, uh, what have you felt in, in your, you know, your time back now uh, under the, the new umbrella? Definitely. Yes, they are, uh, you know, they're not ignoring the, the racing end of it. So, you know, it's uh, Kevin Preston's doing a great job uh, trying to join you know, the casino end and the horse end and, uh, and he's not ignoring us. So, uh, you know, we're, we're moving forward, you know, like I said, it takes time, but, uh, we're moving in the right direction though. And I, that's one of the reasons I came over was the ownership change and, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's very encouraging and, and exciting to, uh, to look forward to, you know, the future. Matt, uh, one more uh, one more thing to mention on the some of the specifics of the Saturday card. You didn't make it easy on us betters in the uh, in the last race. We've got the the Louisiana Cup Sprint, which might be the most wide open race of the day. It's a field of eleven. I think we have a lukewarm favorite of Creole Charlie at three to one, and you can go and. A bunch of different directions. There's actually a cool horse in there named Double Barrel Man who's been uh, around for a while. He's a 14-time winner who's earned 550000 He was third in uh, in this race in 2019. He was fourth in this race in 2020. He's been around for a while. But wow, if you're a better and you're a, and you're alive in any pick four, pick five, pick sixes, you're going to need to be pretty deep in that race to feel comfortable. Oh, that's for sure. You know, and then, and then, you know, you have the two-year-old juvenile Phillies, you know, the race before. So, I mean, it's, you know, those are back-to-back races that, Hey, you know, take your pick, you know, and double, <laughs> double barrel, man, you know, the old nine-year-old, I don't think he cares who he's running against, no. you know, uh, uh, claiming stakes. Uh, you know, it does not matter to him. Uh, he's, he's, he's so versatile. Uh, he'll, he'll be, he'll be tough. And, uh, you know, that takes two to tango, uh, you know, ran third at Evangeline in that, in that cup down there. But, uh, yeah, it's a, you just go right down the line and it's, it's a, it's a tough bunch. I guess that birdies galaxy was the only one that was the winner at Evangeline on the, on their cup day that didn't make the card, but, uh, Hey, you know, you got the third, fourth, got the second, third, fourth place horses in that was that race at Evangeline and, uh, and then several other ones. Yeah. yeah very tough, tough race to uh, handicap. In a field of 11. Yeah. I mean, you can make cases for 15, 20 to one shots in there. You've got X clown for Jerry DeLome and set hut racing. As uh, we, we heard the, the, fun story and you'll hear on this show from one of our different guests about the naming of X clown, which is, a, which is really cool. You mentioned takes two to tango. You've got, um, you know, a horse like Mike J, who got really sharp and won three races in a row. Brian's Iron Mike, so many ways to go. It's so many competitive races on Saturday. This this is one thing that I've been preaching. Um, and what makes it easy for me to promote Louisiana Downs to handicap the races for you. I think in the last few years in particular, the betters and the gamblers out there have really started to kind of dig their heels in about things they want, lower takeout, multi-surface racing, uh, big fields. And this weekend, everything that every better could possibly want, we have on the card for you at Louisiana. We have huge fields. It's quality, quality racing with some of the best horses that run in Louisiana at the Louisiana tracks. We have a small pick five carryover. We've got low takeout in the pick four and the pick five. We've got low takeout in the win place show. And if you want to play a jackpot, we've still got the pick six for you. 
So for the betters, I think on a day like this weekend, this is everything that a better could want. I, we've you've done a really good job with this one, Matt, because I, I really feel like it's as good of an opportunity for betters this weekend as there as there is. I hope so. Yeah, I hope I hope they turn out. And uh, and you're right. It's uh, it's it's good for the handicappers. I mean, when they they turn the pages in the on that daily racing form or program, and uh, they'll they'll see that it's a uh, it's quality races to to gamble on. So it's really good. I hope it I hope it's a good turnout for all of us. And and for everyone that can't make it out to the track, I'll be uh, posting stuff on social media. We'll have a lot of help for you if you want to play the races from home. But if you're in the area. I'd recommend heading out there, Matt, because it's going to be one of those really fun days that you want to bring the whole family out. It's uh, an earlier first post will be at 1.45 p.m. Central Time, still the seven race card with six of them stakes that start in race number two. And we'll have stuff for the entire family out there. Um, There will be all sorts of events. I think there's bounce houses, live music, uh, face painting, slides and stuff for the kids. Everybody gets a $5 wager food trucks all over the place. John McGarry and Martha Clausen are going to have a handicapping seminar, scholarship giveaways. It's a full day. It sure is. Yes. And, uh, and we welcome everybody to come. If they're in the area, please come. And uh, if not, bet on us uh, offsite. We'd sure appreciate it. Matt, uh, we are just a couple days away. You're recording this with me on Thursday morning. Anything else you want to mention uh, before we get out of here? No, Gino, I appreciate you uh, asking me on. Matt, thank you so much. Uh, Again, you've put together a fantastic card for Saturday. Thanks uh, for taking out a few minutes of your time. I know it's a busy week, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Keep doing the great work over there at Louisiana. Thank you, Gino. Uh, We'll be talking soon. Appreciate it. It's Matt Crawford, Racing Secretary at Louisiana Downs. Do not go anywhere, folks. We're going to continue on previewing the big Saturday coming up at Louisiana. What a card for Saturday that Matt helped put together for Louisiana Cup Day. One of the big highlights of the day will be Lady Flurry, who's going to be running in race number six. That's going to be the juvenile. She was so, so, the juvenile Phillies, excuse me, she was so impressive in her debut. And she's going to be running for State and Flurry and Flurry Racing Stables. They have a huge day with She Dares the Devil on Saturday running at Del Mar and then this filly running at Louisiana Downs in the stakes. We talk with owner State and Flurry about how he got into the business, uh, about some of the uh, the big horses that he's had through the years, and a little bit about Lady Flurry and her chances coming up this weekend. Kick back and enjoy as we talk a little bit with uh, owner-breeder State and Flurry. Very excited for this interview coming up. It's going to be a big, big Saturday for Mr. Staten Flurry from Flurry Racing. Oh, we are excited to talk to him about how he got into racing and a couple of the major runners he has this weekend with She Dares the Devil and then with the nice two-year-old Lady Flurry who's going to be over at Louisiana Downs on Louisiana Cup Day. Staten Flurry joins me. Mr. Flurry, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, not a problem. So uh, I believe you're in Del Mar right now because as a busy man, you've got to uh, you got to split your time between places all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I decided to spend some time out here at Del Mar this summer and uh, enjoying the the weather out here right now. Got got a couple runners this weekend out here, and uh, just hopefully we can have a good showing. 
and one of the big ones running this weekend out at Del Mar, Kentucky Oaks winner in 2020. She dares the devil. Could you ever have imagined about 10 years ago or so when you got into this game that you'd have a Saturday coming up like this where you have a former Kentucky Oaks winner running in a grade one, and then on the flip side, um, in the middle of the country, you've got this really promising two-year-old who was so impressive in turning eyes. Like it's, it's like a storybook kind of day. Hey, it is. It is. That's what you hope for when you get in the business, but you never, uh, never actually dream it'll happen. And let's talk about getting into the business. How does it happen for you? I'm always curious with people getting into horse racing in general because it's it's a little different. It's not the easiest thing to just jump right into. How do you get into racing? How did you get involved in owning horses? No, uh, my family owns most of the parking lots around Oakland. So just growing up out there, I met different owners and trainers and would go over and watch their horses run. And they'd say, hey, come get in the wind picture if we win and fell in love with it at early age. I grew up, uh, my house was probably less than half a mile from Oaklawn. So just living in hot springs, the town lives and breathes racing. So just fell in love with it early. And when I graduated college, I claimed my first horse and won our second race. And it's been all downhill since. <laughs> and that was about, that was about 10 years ago, I believe, right? Uh, it was, it was 2012. 2012 and you started things off right away um and brad cox you have let's get fiscal winning in a 12-5 claimer and then all of a sudden like you said the rest is history you get to have an incredible horse like mr misunderstood who's probably the one that really kind of puts you on the map and really kind of lets you have an opportunity to be in big races and put you like on the national scene he is he is he definitely was a special one that Won our first graded stakes with him, and I think we wound up winning six or seven graded stakes and several other stakes, including the Super Derby and the Super Derby Prelude down at Louisiana Downs with him. And uh, his earnings helped us invest deeper in bigger horses like She Dares the Devil and just uh, built on his success. Mr. Misunderstood, just under a million uh, when, yeah. it was, when it was all it, it said. It killed our soul. Uh, we didn't get to the million mark. We were, I know. You see I that nine? favorite in the, uh, I think it was the opening verse at Churchill Downs in 2020 when they were running it in September. And it rained off the grass, so we didn't stay in there. But I think if we had got that race in, he would have eclipsed a million mark. He would have crossed that mark. He'll always look at that number a little crooked, 967, and say, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny. Isn't that what we do as gamblers, as sports fans? We're always looking at the ones, the woulda, couldas, instead of yeah, the, the, the 967 the in the bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like when you're claiming horses, you look at the ones you got out shook on and see what they went on to do. And that, yep. Like, what if we had had them? Yep. Um, so then you move. Let's talk about, you know, uh, Mr. Misunderstood awesome for you for giving you like you said the opportunity to have options now and to go invest into other partnerships and other horses and and then you get involved with she dares the devil tell us how that all came to play yeah we really liked her at the two-year-old uh racing age sale in november uh, she was a two-year-old that year but yeah it was the uh november racing age sale and uh shake Bahad of cutter racing his advisor over here saw us looking at her and I think he had kind of deals to stay in. He was an original partner in her and he wanted to stay in. I think he had deals with everybody going into the sale. So we kind of like, well, we 
we'd rather bid with a sheik than against a sheik. So uh, that's <laughs> yeah. how how she dares the devil's partnership came about. Was uh, we loved her and wanted to be a part of her, and uh, we kind of thought that might have been the only way to be a part of her is to to latch on with that partnership since he was going to be involved with pretty much everybody bidding, I believe. So uh, tell us about how she's doing coming into this weekend. She dares the devil will be running at Del Mar in the Clement Hirsch. Uh, how's she been training coming in and how you feeling about the other uh, race? She's training really good. Uh, she's always a good workhorse uh, and great course on race day too. Uh, looking forward to see the draw here. I think they start drawing the next 20 minutes out here at Del Mar. So hopefully here in the next few hours, we'll know who all's in the race in our post position. Uh, she loved this track last year. She really thrived in this weather and over the surface. So hopefully we get a good post draw and uh, can kind of game plan and have the same results as last year. Yeah, and she's coming off uh, that win in the floor to Lee, which should uh, set her up very nicely for this. Another nice year where uh, your only defeats are in the Azari and in the La Troyenne, and uh, you're in the money in those races too. So uh, a very nice couple months ahead, yeah, fingers yeah, crossed uh, for her, right? Yeah, the goal goal is the Breeders' Cup and maybe one more start between now and then, maybe the Spinster or some uh, something like that, just to get her a race over the Keeneland surface. Now that's she's she dares the devil and one Philly who hopefully one day could possibly get to uh, in uh, in in the best case scenario get to those lengths is a, a Philly that we are on the opposite end of the spectrum a Philly who's made just one start and wow she was extremely impressive in that one Staten this is a Philly that you bred and she's going to be running at Louisiana Downs on Saturday she's in the Louisiana Cup juvenile Phillies she's going to go as the number seven Lady Flurry she won by nine lengths in her debut going four and a half furlongs she nearly broke a track record that I is like 40 years old and she could have if they would have asked her she just really yeah, wasn't uh, asked <laughs> yeah Emmanuel kind of stood up on her towards the end and if he had stayed down maybe another split second we might have had the record but hey she got the win and that's the main thing thing we're looking for yeah, it was extremely impressive. I mean, she not only got the win, she earned a big speed figure in doing so. And it looks like she's come back and been training very well. Tell us about her and just give us uh, give us some of the, the background on her, how you got, um, you know, how she came to the races and Carl Broberg and, and, and where you're thinking about her moving forward. Yeah, uh, I actually read her. I raced her mom, a uh, patch of bad weather. We won the... Uh, Lady Razorback Futurity with her up at Remington Park, which was a race for Arkansas Red Phillies. I guess that was about six or seven years ago now, maybe a little bit longer. And uh, once she retired, we kept her as a broodmare. Her mom was the uh, world record five furlong holder for a while, I believe it was in Argentina. So we knew there's speed in the pedigree. Uh, looked, looked at different speed horses around the country and fell in love with Lord Nelson's pedigree and said, let's breed speed to speed and hope it holds. And that's how we came up with Lady Flurry. And Lady Flurry was one of the more impressive two-year-olds you will see anywhere. And then I got to say, as someone who's really been paying attention to Louisiana and every race at Louisiana Downs for the first time this year, there have been some extremely impressive two-year-olds for the boys and for the girls, led by your Philly, who's uh, the, the morning line favorite for this race. But I think the one thing we really have, can see in racing is that 
the good, good horses can come from anywhere. They can start anywhere. Um, sometimes there's horses that are just a step or two ahead. They're precocious, but she has a nice pedigree and she seems like she could be one that gets even better and better with racing. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, no, Brett Calhoun's got a really nice two year old, uh, Louisiana bred Philly. I think it won the stakes over at Lone Star a couple weeks ago. And you know, the horse right to the R outside of Tom Amos is, uh, it's really nice too. It won an open company print presently mm-hmm. up at Indiana. So uh, there's some really nice two-year-olds popping up in Louisiana and he said across the country. Staten, I know uh, you've got uh, a lot on your plate. You're out at Del Mar and you've got a uh, big stuff coming up this weekend on Saturday. So tell us about uh, anything, you know, coming up for you. These are the big stakes runners, but um, yeah, I've got what, what... A, uh, a Philly I claimed out here a few, few weeks ago. She's actually in Friday, and I'm in Vincibella with Bill Spar. I think we're going to have another maiden out here on Saturday uh, named Memes that Bill has also. Uh, hopefully both of those can run well. They've been training pretty good. So we'll see where they go. Then we're going to have Interstate Daydream. I think she'll probably go to the Catherine Sophia. We talked about the Queen's Plate with her uh, after her uh, Black Eyed Susan and Indiana Oaks win. Then we've got a two-year-old named bourbon spirit coming up we're looking at some different options he won pretty impressively at ellis a few weeks ago so just trying to get all the the two-year-olds and three-year-olds pointed in the right direction and uh, just keep them on the right path and you do a really good job of uh, on social media posting a lot about your runners information about them when they're in the entries and stuff we can give you a follow on twitter at staten flurry and um, it's been really nice to catch up with you. I'd love to to talk with you again when we have uh, your horses, you know, getting set for big races. What I love about you is that you you're just researching you a little bit before our conversation. You're someone who obviously really loves the game. You got into it on your own from the the smallest level all the way up. This wasn't sort of something that you uh, you had a, a whole ton of money and you decided to kind of invest as a little bit of a, a fun. You, you really wanted to get all in on this from the ground up from your silks. And now it's so cool to see someone like you in, in um, a decade, like rise to the highest of levels because it's not easy in this game, right? You, you've had a lot of ups and I'm sure a lot of downs along the way. Oh yeah. There's plenty of downs to go with the ups. Uh, you see the wins, but you don't really see the, the last and the, the bad finishes, but it's just a testament to to Brad, Jorge, and uh, all of Brad Cox's crew, and Carl and Kevin, and uh, all of the Broberg team. And like I said, now out here in Louisiana, or uh, out here in California, I've got Bill Spar training for me, and his assistant Daryl is uh, great. So just uh, it's a testament to everybody that you work with. Then I've got a great bloodstock agent named Clay Share. His dad's a uh, Actually, Mayor Scherer, who is a big, was a, a big trainer down in Louisiana. So there's some uh, more Louisiana Downs uh, connections there. And was it just by connecting with certain people and, and how you got out to Louisiana? Because for you, you were mainly an Arkansas, uh, yeah. Oaklawn person, right? Well, uh, Kevin Martin, uh, Carl Broberg's assistant, who's yep. at Oaklawn, he went to, to Louisiana Downs after Oaklawn's over. That's kind of his, his circuit. and. Louisiana Downs is two and a half, three hours from home. So it's somewhere close to to run and have some fun with during the summer. 
Mr. Fleury, I really appreciate you uh, carving out a few minutes, especially when you're down at Del Mar. I mean, everyone's down there having fun and uh, drinking and partying. Oh, yeah. And up yeah down I went, there. On a, went on a hike this morning out at Torrey Pines and going to go have some lunch with the Brigantine and just enjoy the, <laughs> the great weather. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with us here. Love to catch base with you uh, again in the coming weeks. And fingers crossed for a really big Saturday for you. I'll be rooting for you. Uh, you have a hey, couple of r- really nice gals that are going to be running this weekend. And um, we uh, look forward to seeing you in, in even bigger and, uh, and better races in the coming years. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, no problem. Thank you. And uh, this is Staten Flurry, big time owner with a few monster horses running this weekend uh make sure to give him a follow there on social media thanks so much for hanging out with us folks and we'll have a lot more coverage coming up for you for louisiana downs on the big saturday that was a great chat there uh what a a decade now it's been for staten and again apologies for uh for butchering the name to start right off the bat and we'll have to get him back again to talk about these nice, nice gals, and uh, moving forward, she dares the devil, and we'll see if Lady Flurry can get the job done this weekend. Let's move into handicapping the races now. We're going to get the audio of our full preview with Phil Cleek and with Robert from Louisiana Horse Reporters. We use the DRF past performances to handicap and to dive in, so if it sounds like sometimes we're looking at things, it's because we actually do have a full video of the past performances and us looking at some replays and charts. So if you want to take a look at the actual video, you can do so on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Right now, Phil and Robert, we dive in to races two through six for Saturday, Louisiana Cup Day. Big day coming up out at Louisiana Down. So we're going to dive into the card for Saturday. I know it's the summer and there's Del Mar and there's Saratoga going on. But if you're not paying attention this weekend, Louisiana Downs will have the best card anywhere. There are six stakes races on tap. Not one of them has a field less than eight. We have low takeout in exotic wagers like the pick four and the pick five there's low takeout in the win place and show at 17 percent and it's a, a nice tidy seven race card with six of them stakes so if you're playing one of the big tracks like del mar or saratoga you can have louisiana downs accompany you you will see some of the best louisiana breads in training and you'll also see some really nice two-year-olds with some bright futures. I'm very excited to have a couple guests joining me today for the first time. These are a, a couple folks that I've been uh, speaking with a lot over the last couple months on social media. First up, owner, handicapper, uh, tough tough beat the other day. Had a horse cross the wire first and get DQ'd with super wise. I'm talking about the very Thanks for reminding me, Phil Cleek. I'm sorry, <laughs> Phil. Right off the bat, I know. It's like the first thing I say, and it's, it's right that. But how you doing, buddy? Thanks so much oh, for hanging I'm, out. I'm doing very good and, uh, you know, really pleased with super wise's effort the other day. And uh, it's just one of those things that happens. It's horse racing. And, uh, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow because I thought he was much best. But you never know, and uh, that's that's one of those bad sides. Sometimes things like that happen. And uh, our other guest to help us 
hang out and go through the card is going to be someone that a lot of you who play the races and for Louisiana racing and who are on social media, you know, Robert uh, at LA horse reporter, Robert, how you doing tonight? Doing good. And um, I've got my partner, Alex, who is tied up with his day job and uh, hopefully he'll get on. If not, I've got his, um, some of his races that he did. So, um, you know, this is really a good card. Like you said, Gino and, um, always you know it's all all the louisiana um stakes days at the tracks are always good but i think this one you know has the potential to be one of the the better ones and you know it's really exciting to see the two-year-old races um yeah you know because this is really the first time we'll see these some of these horses in the stakes races and i think we got some good ones so Really uh, excited to talk about these races. If you're watching, you will see that we've got the uh, daily racing form pulled up and the past performances. Um, I'm all, I am always, for every track that I look at, every race that I look at, I am a DRF.com formulator guy myself. Uh, I, with the way that I handicap the races, it's nice because we can go from one click to taking a look at a horse's replay and we can take a look at the chart. We can dive right into the statistics for the trainer and for the jockey. We can get into the pedigree very easily. There's just so much stuff. You can plug in notes to keep for next time, um, just so that way you have things to monitor for each horse as they move along. And I'm always encouraging people to head to drf.com if you need help handicapping the races anywhere that you're playing. Uh, And uh, summer racing is so much fun with Del Mar with Saratoga and a big weekend like this weekend at Louisiana Downs. So let's start our handicapping and let's start with the first stakes. That's going to be race number two. So the stakes races start in the second and the wagering menu for Louisiana has a pick six jackpot in race number two. It's starting to creep up a little bit too. I think it's up in the double digits over 10,000 now. So if you're someone who likes to play and take a swing at a big jackpot, you can play for 20 cents. We also have the rolling 50 cent pick threes throughout win play show daily, double exacta try super wagering all available for you. And this is a fun race fellows. As we were talking about well, the, the younger horses, this is a ju- the juvenile race where we get an opportunity to see some very nice two-year-olds. So, Phil, we have King's Loot, who's actually the two-to-one morning line favorite. He was extremely impressive in his debut. He beat, actually, Open Company, and he did it right here at Louisiana. Uh, after him, the next tier looks like Bisping, who actually went over to Belmont Park after winning his debut at Evangeline. He tried Stakes Company over there. And then Ranch Water was very impressive. What was nice about him, he actually came from off the pace, which you really don't see a whole lot from two-year-olds closing like that. Talk to us a little bit about this race, Phil. Who are some of the horses that you're looking at? Yeah, you know, you got to favor King's Loot off that uh, debut performance, winning by six and a half, uh, and with an awkward start at that. And uh, he kind of came inside out in that race. There was a heavy favorite first-time starter in that race who has subsequently come back with, um, I believe, two good efforts. But uh, Carl Woodley, C.J. Woodley, former rider at uh, Louisiana Downs uh, in the uh, 90s and 2000s, uh, he uh, has run a couple of horses now at the meet, and I think he's uh, won with both of them. And they were both impressive. And Phil, uh, so, not to interrupt, but we're watching uh, the replay. And for I see that for, for everyone that's watching along with us, he's the three Kings Loot. Who 
normally in a lot of these two-year-old races, it's the horse that gets the lead or gets a, you know, an easy trip just off the pace. As you mentioned, he didn't have the best of beginnings and then he had to move through some traffic and overcome it. What's really impressive about him too, is he's probably bred to be better going longer. So when horses like this win early, you think that they might just be doing it on pure ability. Yeah. He, um, he obviously has a long, long stride, uh, made the lead easily in that race on the turn, despite being uh, under a, a stiff hold. So, you know, if something doesn't go wrong uh, with him in terms of traffic or something of that nature, I think he'll be hard to hold in this particular race. Now, one thing that you have to take into uh, consideration the race is five and a half furlongs as opposed to four and a half furlongs. Yep. So there's a difference sometimes with uh, the strategy involved with the riders uh, of the other horses. And, uh, you know, it's a field of eight. And so that could come into play. Uh, but but I still like like King's loot in this one. Yeah, he's going to be very, very tough in here. Uh, Robert, talk to us about King's loot or uh, any of the others in this race that might be on your radar. You know, there's there's actually four that I kind of like, you know, that, and, and they're more or less the favorites. King Lutz is one of them. Um, but the another one that I think, um, you know, you can, I think, throw out the, the last race is number two, um, Bisping. By, by <laughs> I'm not sure how you say that. Um, you know, L. Dill, who's a son of Munnings, is a sire, and he's, um, you know, 23% win rate for for sprint dirt sprint and is, is really a good he's one of the best young sires in louisiana uh the horse is bred by that eggcox farm um and and they're perennially one of the top louisiana breeders i mean they've been the breeder of the year probably two out of the last three or four years and always have showing on this day like last they probably won two or three of the stakes uh, or horses they bred. Um, and then another connection there, um, you know, the owner is, is Anna Gio. I'm not sure what the connection to Eric, if that's his wife or daughter, but, you know, he's a he's he's won Breeder Cup races before uh, as a trainer. He's a former trainer from Louisiana. So uh, I think that horse is well-connected, and I think he's pretty high on that horse. Um, a, a, another one in there that, Another one of the favorites is Ranch Water, um, Alan Landry. That's number four, um, who also won on debut. But it was at Evangeline Downs, not Louisiana Downs. Um, I, 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 I think he's good. And then number seven, um, you know, might be more of a long shot. It's Kit Kat Kid. Um, and has a sibling, uh, Buckley Bunny, who won at 93-1 won the champions day at, at the fairgrounds kind of like the who steve flint trained as well too robert i believe excuse me who steve flint trained as well it's, i believe exact same connections yeah your trainer and, and, and one other thing i'll note on number seven is um tim thornton the jockey he he came up um i guess the on monday was it monday that yep. um the, the he he came up to ride one horse and it was that um no white flags right yeah white flag no white flags and um he he is like a top-notch jockey um won seven races one day at delta downs um back back earlier this year uh so you'll you'll know who he is but um 
yeah, I think that's one to take a look at. And I mean, yeah, I know I'm, I'm confusing the issue here, but I, I also think you got to look for longer shots at um, number three, easy chance. Um, you know, who, who won his last race. That won and he's run. really fast too. What's nice is that in both of his races, you've seen really good speed. He just, he just stopped in his debut, but in his second right. start, he showed a lot more finish there. And again, if he's just going to get getting out of the gate, a lot of the time is half the battle in here. He's going to be one of the quicker. Yeah. At first, his debut was that King's loot race. Yep. I think going. And, yep. and he didn't do well, but he, they took him down to Evangeline and he did well down there. And I mean, they, the morning line's 12 to one. Um, and then he has uh, the jockey on him is one that uh, Louisiana Downs fans know is um, Del Cid. Uh, who jockey, but apparently is he no longer an apprentice? I mean, he, cause it, there's no weight break here, but um he he's like the leading jockey at Evangeline Down. He, he's been incredible. He's and he's hitting at over twenty percent, like twenty two, twenty three percent. I've been so impressed with him. And yeah, you're right. He's been dominating Louisiana or uh, Evangeline Downs. Yeah. So again, I know I'm uh, throwing a lot out there. And then one other one, Foster, uh, the first timer. Yeah, that number eight who is like working very well. I mean, he's 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 got. Bullet works on there. Some pretty fast bullet works. And I think Foster has won this race before. Maybe maybe he won the Philly side. But um, he's got an interesting pedigree too. If you look at him, so his damn watchful. I'm pulling up the the dam's um, uh, past performances right now. She won her debut, which was great because she showed that she's precocious and she's able to win first time out. She actually won three of her first four starts overall. She was a four-time winner, and she was in stakes races for the bulk of her career. She's actually multiple graded stakes yeah. placed. Yeah, um, like $140,000. Um, yeah, it's not a bad yeah. pedigree. And, and she's actually dropped, if you look at her siblings, she's produced 14 siblings that have raced, and 11 of them are winners. There have been some pretty decent ones in there, too. Yeah. Um, like Watch- Watchmon, right? Yeah. He won at uh, Saratoga about six lengths with 101 speed rating. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, ready Moore was also a, a winner who had three wins, won the debut. Yeah. Watchman was a grade three winner in the slop, um, at, at Belmont park in the Jamaica that was taken off the turf. Yeah. Face card who was uh, a seven time winner in 15 starts. These are just a lot of solid horses that they produced from this family. Another three time winner can't watch has won four races. Um, so, Overall, Tizwatch was another one who won three more times. Luna Santa, Fostering Harmony. I just thought, I'm not sure if he'll be quite ready to win against a group like this with a couple other really nice horses that have some more seasoning. But it does show you that they're high on this horse for him to debut in a spot like this, right? Right, and Foster also. Um, So, I mean, I I think on him, I would be looking more, you know, like for the exotics you know yeah Roy man at the bottom but i think you're right i don't see him winning because there's there's some pretty good ones at the top here but um you know three and eight i would definitely throw in to juice your ticket some so and over- jo- overall joey well. is an excellent horseman guys i you know he's trained some horses for me uh down the road and uh you know um there's a possibility always that he could train some more eventually for me um let me 
throw a couple of more horses into Please, the mix for let's you. Go through them. Makes it a little more difficult. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I real I really think King's loot, unless something goes wrong, is is going I agree. To be the unless the rail hurts him really right. bad, right? He gets in trouble or something, he's right. going to be pretty tough. But in, in if you're looking at this race in the let's say he does get into some trouble or something. Then looking at the rest of the race, it really does open up a little bit. Yeah, I picked it. One, two, eight, five, seven was yep. the order in which I went in. And I think you've talked about the other horses. Bisping obviously coming out of the Tremont at Belmont, now back to his home environment in Louisiana, uh, along with Devin Mayon, which is, uh, you know, he's a winning jockey in some two-year-old races at Louisiana. I remember uh, – couple of years ago, he rode a horse for Jerry Caroom that paid big balloons. And, you know, he he knows the course, has had a couple of uh, races at the meeting as well. And, you know, don't rule him out. He's a tall guy, a tall guy like E.J. Peridon was tall back in the day, but he won his share of races too. So, uh, you know, don't don't rule that uh, the jockey out because of his height. Uh, but uh, looking at Joey's horse, I picked him third. Uh, I do like the works, and I do like the female family, the notebook side. And, of course, nothing you can take away from custom for Carlos, who is a perennially uh, one of the top uh, Louisiana sires. Um, the other horse that I really, you know, the, the numbers were a little light in its debut, but the horse uh, ran a good second and had a clear lead. And Timmy Thornton rode that horse, and now, uh, a super derby winning jockey comes in to ride in CJ McMahon. And that is customized space another yeah. custom for Carlos. And uh, this trainer, Sam David Jr. Is uh, a guy that knows how to win races one, no matter where he's at. Uh, you know, blushing KD was his big filly back in the nineties. Uh, um, well, <laughs> yeah. And uh, then also he had, a penchant for running some good two-year-olds as well at Louisiana Downs, one that set the track record, and I think it was held until recently, a filly named Sondor. And so don't rule out Sam David Jr. when it comes to running a race at Louisiana Downs. If he ships in, he thinks enough of the horse to think that it has a chance. Robert, anything else you want to mention about the uh, the juvenile before we move along? No. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just – the um you know like i'm really interested in that eight horse um you know even though it's a debut you, you just never know with with juveniles what might happen um i mean because i think the most any of these have are two races and most of them are, are one race so you know you can you can you can always expect a surprise so at least somewhere in the you know top three that's race number two the juvenile Let's move along to race number three as we're navigating through the DRF past performances at DRF.com. You can get set up for any racetrack that you want to play and you can dive in just like we are here in one click and pull up a replay, one click, pull up trainer info or pedigree information. We move on to the Louisiana Cup distaff and we have the very, very cool Net A Bear. Net A Bear is a 13 time winner and this is going to be. Uh, this six-year-old mayor's 22nd stakes race overall. Uh, I believe she's won 10. This is going to be her 20th Louisiana bread stakes race. 
in those 19 that she's run so far, she's been in the top three in 15 of the 19 that she's been. She's won eight of them. She's proven on the turf, on the dirt, and on the wet track. She's better on the turf. That's where she's really at her best. But she can win on all surfaces. And one of the really impressive things about her, Robert, is that she's actually won, well, I guess, Two. She's won her last five races on the turf, but she's won a stakes race now in four consecutive years in 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. So great longevity. She can do it all. She's the type of horse that these days are really all about. It's so fun to see a horse like this who is just so, so good. And maybe a lot of people don't really know about her on the national scale. Yeah. Um, and this, this is a race that Alex was doing. Um, so I've got his notes. Um, and, and, you know, back to Tim Thornton. I mean, yeah, th- there's a special connection <laughs> between these two. Uh, like a lot of those wins, it just looks like he was not going to get there, but he always kind of knows what he needs to do. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of Netta Bear. But having said that, Alex um, is going to try to beat her. I mean, he, 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 but he admits that he never can get her right. Whenever he tries to go against her, she, she wins. And a zig when you zag type yeah. horse, right? Just one He's of those. been wrong 13 times. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> he is going, I mean, he's, he's obviously respecting her and she'll be on his ticket, but he's going with Chesapeake Diva, the number sure. horse, um, who his notes say rising four year old animal kingdom Philly. Uh, definitely stepping up in class, be her first stakes race, but here's why I'm picking her. I think she will make an uncontested lead, and sometimes the Frank's turf course at Louisiana Downs can be a very speed-favoring turf course. If it all plays out right, she could take them all the way around. No doubt Netta Bear will put in a run late, but 6-5, to five, possibly lower post time, I'll take a shot that Chesapeake Bay, uh, Diva can hold on. Um, others he's throwing in are number seven, Eve's Delight, who faded last time, first two-turn race. She should put in a better effort this time, 10 to 1. Um, and then number eight, Fort Polk, who is just shy of 300000 in career earnings. A lot of people that uh, want an option to go against, Netta Bear will go with. She's capable and actually beat Netta Bear in this race last year. Yep. And number nine, Lone Star Diva, could grind out a spot underneath on the trifecta or super. But I feel she's only a use on bug money tickets. Um, so he's taught his top four, three, two, seven, eight. And I think he's going to go with a $5 straight exact of three over two. That's uh, some thoughts from Alex. Phil, uh, give us some thoughts on the, the Louisiana cup distaff. Uh, I don't like his bets there. I might like <laughs> to book those myself. You know, you got to you got to go with the queen, obviously. Uh, Ned A. Bear in this one. Um, you know, she has uh, shown a an affinity for the racetrack, and uh, you know, Alan Landry. Anytime he sends a horse down to Louisiana Downs, he means business. That said, my long shot in this particular race, you got to go down to the number six, Aliacious, and uh, Vincente Del Cid is going to be aboard. I think that uh, you're right about Vicente, but not in the particular race that you mentioned earlier, Robert. Um, the uh, the horse was a little light at Evangeline in its last race on the turf, but was up in the two-path dueling for the lead 
in that particular race and got a little late. Now that race was at a mile. This race is a mile and a 16th. I've noticed uh, that you talked about speed and being a factor at Louisiana Downs. Speed is a factor anywhere, no matter what surface you're on. But uh, especially in the mile and a 16th races, uh, you want to be somewhere near the front. You don't want to be trying to come from behind in that particular race. And I think that that's where Aliasius is going to be. Now, she is 0 for 2 in her efforts at Louisiana Downs on the grass with her highest buyer speed figure of 78. Uh, but again, I think, uh, Gino, you'll have to help me out. I don't know how far that goes back to. I don't see them on my page. I've got an abbreviated page of formulator that I printed out, but I do believe this horse is live in this spot. And uh, that is my long shot selection. If there is going to be an upset, I think it's going to be the six aliacious. The other horse I liked was Fort Polk, but there are about five horses that uh, could, you know, you could throw in the mix at that level. You got uh, AG's Charlie, who's been running well and Eve's yeah. Delight. Uh, so, you know, anybody could could really get a piece of this race depending upon their racing luck. But uh, my long shot and it might be a little low on uh, class, but we'll see. And that's number six, Aliacious. Yeah, the grass races uh, that were down here at Louisiana, they were in stakes races. You know, she was in the distaff when she finished fourth, and she didn't run that bad in, in, in 2020 uh, in this particular race. There's another race at Fairgrounds going a mile and a 16th where she finished fourth, and she wasn't that far behind Ned A. Bear. And she's got a little sneaky turf form, too. I agree with you. That's what's so fun about these cards when you get full fields because all of these horses that are in these races are very honest and very good. Some of them at just a little slight tiers um and, and different levels but they're all usually really sharp and that's why they come in here so when some of these days show up with five or six horses it's kind of a bummer to see small fields like that because a lot of these horses deserve at least to run in a big race and uh, and take a shot um phil you mentioned the five uh ag charlotte she's mm -hmm. kind of sneaky to me you know she's a little bit uh, she's got a little bit of upside because she's only been on the turf twice and in one of those races it was last time out where she was behind fort polk and it wasn't that bad of an effort. She kind of got caught in between horses and she got shuffled back to last. And then she right. came on again pretty well. If she can just take another little step forward, I think she might be in the mix at sort of a sneaky five to one ish price. But uh, we hit Eve's delight also who she's, uh, she's been really sharp and really honest in her last five or six races. She has the one poor effort where she just completely missed the break against drop dead sexy. And you can't do that against drop dead sexy. Cause then you're going to be about five lengths behind and, uh, and just looking at the, right. looking in the rear, but right. she's been sharp. She'll, you know, maybe be flashing a little bit of speed and be forwardly placed in here. So I think we've hit on a lot. You, you Any, talked uh, about, um, you talked about AG Charlotte. Let me go back to her yeah. for just a moment. You know, you mentioned that that uh, she had kind of a sneaky good race last time when running second. And, you know, that was coming off a win uh, going a route of ground on the dirt. And if you look at that race, she was forwardly placed in that race, uh, second, then third, only a half length behind. And by the time that she had gone a half mile, got to the lead and then held on in the late stages. But see, this is a this is another horse that could be 
closer to the pace battle today yeah. simply because of the fact that she's stretching out going a mile on the 16th. So that, yeah, that'll be key for a horse like uh, cheapskate diva. What, what kind of pressure will she get for maybe a couple others? Like uh, maybe an AG Charlotte or the seven Eve's delight who flashed some speed last time out uh, on paper. She's the quickest and she's the type that can, you know, establish the lead early. And maybe she is that good to run them off their feet and win her fourth consecutive race. Robert, uh, anything else you'd like to mention uh, here about the distaff? Uh, no, I, um, yeah, like I said, that was Alex, and he's trying to beat Netta Bear, um, and I'm kind of like Phil. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be good luck to a lot of people handicapping these car these races throughout the card because they are really good betting races. We've got uh, the fourth race coming up which is the Philly and Mare Sprint. It's a field of 11. Phil, I believe you said very chaotic is uh, what we can see in this I, race, right? I'm hoping I'm hoping for some chaos because I've got a 12 to 1 morning line horse right on top in Snowball. I'm going right back to Vicente del Cid. This particular horse has had a win at Louisiana Downs and a third, I believe, when she was uh, much younger a couple of years ago. And, you know, she's a beautiful gray mare, and I love this particular horse. For one thing, uh, she is coming back from a flat mile two-turn race at Evangeline Downs and going back to what I believe is her best distance as a closing sprinter uh, going six furlongs Should give her a little more punch. Absolutely, right? and, and she loves the racetrack, Gino, I'm telling you. And I'm looking for a little bit of ding-donging on the front end to set up her late run. But uh, when she gets a full head of steam, she is something else to watch in the stretch. And uh, obviously, she's uh, uh, four for uh, six for 40 lifetime, but earning over $377,000. And uh, also nine seconds and ten-thirds. So she gives her best. She can run any distance, a very versatile type horse. And, uh, and I, I look for her to give a good effort. With her, Phil, is that she, because of her running style, when she's in small fields where she catches horses that are just a little quicker than her, she's always going to be in trouble. You know, she's going to be second or third because she just doesn't have the type of early speed. In a race like this where she's cutting back and she should be able to sit, there should be at least three or four horses who are trying to get towards the front end in here and pushing the pace. So the pace should be at least honest in here. So if this is the type of race you like a closer or you like a horse from off the pace, I mean, they should get that kind of a trip in here. Well, they're going to get uh, pace with drop dead sexy. Oh yeah. It's just a matter of who's going to go with her. If anybody, uh, one of those yeah. might be strong beauty on yeah. the outside. Who's two for two at Louisiana downs. Ron Fauché, excellent horseman, brings this horse in. And Carlos Marquez, he is a very underrated rider. He's already ridden a winner at Louisiana Downs this year. Uh, so he is the uh, money rider for the stable. Uh, so they definitely mean business with that mare. The other horse that I thought was really interesting, Gino, was the eight, Strummer. Strummer comes in, again, this is another C.J. McMahon uh, horse and Scotty Gellner brings this one in. And again, she's another turnback filly in this particular race. Yeah. She ran a mile and 70 and was a while ago. She's had a break since then. And look at those works coming back. Uh, bullet work last time out at Evangeline on the 22nd. 
And I think that she fits from a class standpoint in this particular race. I'll be very interested to see how this one runs. It's a star guitar, so that's top-of-the-line pedigree uh, from the Louisiana side. So uh, don't rule out Strummer in this particular race. Three straight wins off of her two losses, both of those losses going two turns, and now back to uh, a better distance. I know that uh, you know her three wins before that were going a route of ground, but I think that she will be uh, – uh, benefit from the pace scenario in this particular race. And I look forward to her being a late closer as well, along with my pick there, Snowball. Robert, uh, give us some of your thoughts on the Philly and Mare's Um Well, Phil stole my long shot. <laughs> Throw that out. Snowball, um, who actually won this race back two years ago in 2020. Um, and then and- third last year, right? Uh, let's see. I think so. I know she, um, yeah, I think we were winner in 2020 and I think third last year. Um, so she strong beauty. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And she's a good closing horse and, and I think there definitely will be some pace. So she could get a pretty nice setup and we've already talked about Del Cid. Um, and then another factor on her is Sammy bro, um, who always seems to, to win, yeah, when you have a big card like this, he always seems to find a way to win one of them. So I like that one. Um, as far as connections, other con- connections go, um, you know, Juan Fauche is, is is always, a, a, you know, brings some good horses in. And I think he's got six that are running Saturday, and three of them are in this race right here. And they're live, yeah. Yeah, and all, and I think all of them are live. Yeah, so, yeah. The first one I think he has is number six. I think five, five, six, and eleven. Right? G Squeeze, yeah. Fame Feather, yeah. and then Strong Beauty. Yeah, yeah. and I, I like all of those, but the the one I probably like the best is Fame Feather. Um, yeah, he's seven years old, but um, yeah, since he has picked her up, he had her, and then um, Chris Davis had her. She's been passing times but um, she was running on turf a lot look on dirt since Foshe got her back um i mean she she got beat by three quarters of a length at louisiana downs last year and then ran a few turf races and she won the uh legends card the the sprint on the legends card at evangeline downs back in june beat four four other horses are in the field yeah Saturday. So and she kind of gets the same trip that we may think snowball would get too, right? Off the pace in here. If you know there's some pace to run at and maybe a little upside on the dirt with that, you know, we know she's pretty classy on the turf. She's had really good form there. So maybe there's another level even that she might be able to hit on the dirt. Right. And I, I th- and then she also has Tim Thornton, who, you know, it's a plus. Yeah. And he yeah, he, ha- uh, he hasn't written. I don't think he's ever, I'm looking through, he's never written. Her, which is interesting um yeah so uh that that's a good combo there um but one i don't think that we've talked about is the favorite um on the inside free like a girl yeah which is is going to be interesting because you know a lot of times there are some other three-year-olds in here but um i mean she's been and and her group of louisiana bred three-year-olds she's she's clearly the the class of the group She's won um, three of the 
of the state bred stakes going back to the Louisiana Lassie on the Champions Day card at the fairgrounds that was won by the 93 to 1 Bucky Buckley Bunny that we talked about earlier, the yeah. sibling of Kit Kat Kid. But um, she won three in a row prior to that. Looks like we lost uh -oh. Robert. Yeah, I was going to see. I think we lost Robert for a second. Robert, if you can hear us, we think we lost you. Maybe you can come in and let out. Me, but let me pick up on Free please. Like a Girl for Go him. Ahead, um, Chassie Pommier, who of course is, uh, excellent trainer, Carl Laville's daughter, uh, sends this horse to Louisiana Downs and Carl Deville is a part owner of the horse. So they think well of her, obviously, and she's four for 17. So you can't take anything away from her, especially coming off of two tremendous performances, uh, at Evangeline, uh, winning stake there. And then, uh, coming off of a huge effort in the grade three Iowa Oaks. The thing that I don't like about this particular filly is she seems to get even further behind, uh, farther than uh, some of the other horses in the race that, uh, that I like uh, in particular. So I think the things might be against it uh, in terms of traffic. And she's I also agree. The, the rail is what, what concerns right. me with her. It's just the yeah. trip turning back after running well at a mile. And I think she's a type that people – She's multiple. She's been in two graded stakes races. She was finished third last time out. She may get a little bit overbet. People will see right. secret secret oath. You know the Kentucky right. Oaks winner. And in this type of full field, I don't think she's as she's quicker than some of the other really quick sprinters in here. It might be tough for her to work out a trip down there. No, and her lone trip at Louisiana Downs, which I'm assuming looks like it was a two year old, was not a great effort. Uh, you know they improved from that point uh, from their early efforts, but. Uh, this one, I think, given the fact that she'll be three to one or less uh, in this particular race, uh, I don't uh, think she's good value at all. Robert, do we have you back now? Uh-oh, still working on getting Robert back. But yeah, with free like a girl, I, I agree. In a race that seems pretty wide open, I might be a little bit cold there on uh, on her we actually didn't mention canada's customs even yeah. who's in really nice form i mean yeah. and what's, she's been facing open company as of late in her last three races so that's always a positive when you've been beating open breads and now you're able to move back in with louisiana breads uh phil you also hit on the uh, 11 strong beauty who the the draw can be a little bit of a concern from way out there she's got some versatility to her though so she can sit off if, if she can work out a trip and not have to get parked like four or five wide, she might be able to be in a really good spot and can, can drop dead sexy, just catch a flyer like she has in the last few and maybe yeah, run them. You know? She's the one that she's the one that intrigues me really based on your comments after that particular race at Louisiana Downs last time. I remember you saying vividly that uh, this horse just made the lead under pressure and just drew off. And, you know, despite any kind of, uh, uh, efforts from the other horses to stay close. So she just, you know, did her thing and, uh, she's done that, especially that, that race, uh, two back, uh, on the, on the dirt, uh, you know, where does that race come from coming straight off of a 20, um, yeah. buyer speed figure. Uh, but, uh, she got good and she got good quick. And we've seen this with a lot of, uh, Shane Wilson horses. If they get good, they stay good for a while. And, uh, so it's, uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting race with lots of ways we can go in that one. Keep trying to reconnect with Robert. Are you there, Robert? Can we hear you? No, we'll keep trying to get you in and out of here. If so, um, we will move along to race number 
five. Anything else you want to mention on that one, Phil? I mean, that's a fun race, that Philly and Mare Sprint. No, I mean, you know, it's one of those races where you can look at it a million times, and after the race is run, you could probably see the winner quite clearly. But before the race, it's a little bit more difficult. But um, but I'm going to go ahead and, and stick with the uh, with my selection in that one and uh, uh, in Snowball and uh, hope for the best. Uh, she's uh, She's been good to me. She had trouble two back at Evangeline Downs um, and should have gotten there that evening. Uh, ran third, beating a length and a half, swung five wide and was gaining with every stride. And hopefully Saturday she will find the path to victory. Well, let's uh, find the path to victory for race number five, which is the Louisiana Cup Turf Classic. And uh, we have a field of 12 in this one and a lot of ways to go. I mean, we can start with the horse who will probably be favored in here and who's in really nice form and uh, a horse who actually, I believe, won this race last year back on August the 21st in 2021. That's Carlia's Dream. She got yeah. a nice – or I say she a lot with him. Uh, he got a nice prep um under his belt last time out too where he was kind of sitting behind horses and then looked like he was going to be in some traffic and then they ended up uh just kind of pushing him to the lead like they uh like they had the best horse under him so it should right. set him up pretty nicely for this race that was a good prep and it was a soft prep and uh that particular owner carl moore management he is phenomenal uh his races uh that he runs down in texas you have to always considering consider him when you're making your wagers and he also has some some horses that go to saratoga and to uh oaklawn some of the bigger race meets along the way very astute owner and i call him a horseman because you know he's got good trainers but he also has a good eye for horse flesh and and makes good deals when it comes to to buying animals uh, so yeah you carly's dream is is definitely in a good spot uh iron diego an excellent rider who used to run at Louisiana Downs all the time, knows that particular turf course and, uh, you know, rode, rode this uh, gelding last time out. And he will uh, he will be tough to beat, but I'm going to try to beat him. And I know you are, too. I'm interested oh, yeah. to hear your thoughts first. Oh, yeah. Uh, Robert, are you in here with us? Yeah. Can you hear okay. me? There we go. We're back. Uh, we got Robert back here with us, helping us out with the turf classic. So yeah, I, I think, you know, in a race like this, especially in a big field, a lot of it'll come down to the way the pace shapes up. Robert, give us some of your thoughts on the turf classic here. Okay. Um, I mean, I think y'all were talking about Carly's dream, um, which won the race last year and um, is, is definitely one that I like, but I think I like um, number three behemoth star a little better. Um, they run, I guess, twice on turf, but he's, he's run, um, you know, against, I think some pretty good horses, um, and, and, you know, star guitar, um, which, um, you know, believe, you know, they're, they're really good on dirt, but I think a lot of times they're, they're sneaky good on turf as well. And, um, so, uh, you know, I, that's the one that I would pick on top. He's got some upside because that rate and that turf race too, what's nice is well, when you look at him overall and you see, okay, he's only been on the turf a couple of times. Well, one of them was in a comparable type stakes race at Evangeline on June the 4th. That was his first start in a couple months. That was his first time going long on the turf. His only other turf start came in his debut when he was just sort of off slow and he just never got in the mix. So don't even really gauge that when you're looking at his turf ability. And he actually, 
he made a big move to the lead and he kind of opened up like two lengths. I think he just got a little lonely, just kind of waiting on horses when he opened up a little. Cause what ended up happening when the field came back to him, it looked like he was just going to stop, but then he got game again and he dug in and he really battled on and he was only beaten about a half length. So I think there's still some upside with this guy too. He He's continuing to step forward. Yeah. So he's, and if a you good mention. The race, the race before that, the Star Guitar Stakes at the fairgrounds, he got a 90 bar. I know that was on dirt, but that's yeah. usually a, a, a pretty competitive race. I mean, yeah. it's a state bred, but it's, it's always on their last day of the meet, and it it's usually attracts a pretty good field. Um, so there's three others. Uh, well, there's, there's one long shot, and this was actually a horse um, that number two, Jimmy's Star, is another star guitar. He's 20 to one, but this, this is just a horse. I don't know why he doesn't run on turf much. Um, I think he's run three times and it's been a long time since he's been, had a turf race. Um, this horse has always seemed like he's had, has potential on turf. So I mean, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't pick him to win. But, and the, the turf races that he's run, they're, Better than they would look when, again, you just sort of look at first glance. You're like, oh, he's running on the turf three times. He's never hit the board. But he's finished like fourth and fifth in those right. races where right. he was close and he, he wasn't bad. And you're right. I think his damn what's great about DRF, if you just instantly look at his pedigree, you go, oh, his damn unusual strike out of an unusual heat mare, you know, and then you can click. You you just think turf. It just immediately yeah. feels like turf, right? And yeah. The yeah. Damn. Or a lot of turf on that uh, damn side. And then also, if you look at Star Guitar deeper in his pedigree, there's turf there too. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, one of those turf, I guess actually the last time he ran on turf was in this race three years ago when, when you know, he, he ran fifth, but he was only beaten five links. And yeah. uh, that horse that was second in that race um, in the Navy was like a really good turf, was like one of the best turf race, turf horses of, in Louisiana at that time. Um, and, um, so that, that's my long shot. And then I have three others that I like just to kind of throw in, um, but n not really to win because I think three and 10 or the, or one of the, or it's going to, the winners are going to be one of those two. It's, it's, it's number one. Uh, he's also kind of a long shot at 12 to one, but temple city, uh, that's obviously turf there. Um, and and he ran a really good race at Evangeline and the Legends Turf Classic. Yeah, he was right there next to Behemoth Star. Right. Um, and then number four, um, JC's Royalty, who I think was the race uh, by half a length. And then number seven, Charlie G, who I think y'all might. I don't know if y'all talked about him yet. Um, no, he's sharp right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's kind of an up and coming, but there, there's there's some turf um, ability with him as well. He's a light bulb horse, right? He took ten starts to break his maiden, and then he figures it out. And in and he's the perfect epitome of the light bulb angle horse because he had been knocking on the door for a while. He'd been running really competitive races, but just not putting it all together. Maybe having a little trouble, getting unlucky, and then boom, he just figured it out. He put together three straight wins, yep. and so. You beat Open Company in uh, in all three of them. Now you can step back in with Louisiana breads. That's uh, that's nice for him. It it all comes down, I think, to the the pace in this race and what happens with a horse like Manglison because he's 
He's kind of simple to handicap in that you know what you're going to get with Mangleson. He's going to the lead. He cannot sit off. He's very one-dimensional. If he gets a lead where he can get about a, a half length to a length, he can be really tough to pass. And he's capable of winning races just like this. If one or two other horses are pressing him, or if he doesn't get to the lead and he's behind them, then he's in some trouble. He's hard for me to leave out of like pick fives if you're playing pick fours or anything like that. Because if he, especially with the way Lozada is riding, if he has a, about a half length or three lengths of a lead on this field and I don't have him, I'll feel pretty nervous. So he'll definitely be on a lot of these tickets for me, but a very fun, contentious race. And I think it is a little more open than just Carlia's dream in this field to 12. Phil, anything else you want to mention on this one? Yeah, uh, going back a little bit, a couple of horses that, uh, by the way, I don't think Robert touched on any of the horses that I like in this That's race. Great. That's so I'll great. Go, I'll go through that even more here in just a, a little bit, but I do want to talk about a couple of the horses he did mention with Behemoth Star, obviously owned by the Queen of Louisiana Racing and Miss Evelyn Benoit uh, with the Britland Stable and uh, excellent trainer who uh, – you know, had a great presence at Louisiana Downs last year and has only run a few horses there this year, and he really doesn't have the same uh, type of uh, uh, head there this year. But uh, Jose Camejo, uh, excellent top-notch trainer. He's uh, sent a couple of horses to uh, New York and won with them recently, and I've actually cashed a couple of bets on his horses, so he's one of my favorites. Uh, and Jimmy's a star. They've been trying to get that one on the turf, but it's sort of like uh, my horse, Superwise, I kept trying to get it on the turf, and the races kept coming off of it. Now, he did win two races back. Another problem that you get into uh, when you win your fourth particular race is uh, the condition book at Louisiana Downs is really uh, set for non-winners of four races lifetime. And once you hit that barrier, you have to step up in class. So it uh, makes it a little more difficult on those types of horses once they actually either win their first turf race or get a couple of wins at the meet, uh, it makes it very, very hard to uh, find a race that fits your particular horse. My pick in this race is a first-time grass horse. Uh, out of a quality road sire, you're going to have to help me with the name Gino Climate, uh, perhaps. Uh, Klim yeah, Klimt. Klimt, okay. I think. Yeah, was, uh, was a nice one. Was a nice runner, too. Um, tell us a little bit more. Fill well, out the five, cosmic I, rain. obviously, the quality road is what uh, stands out to me in this particular spot. Uh, my horse, Superwise, is out of an elusive quality mare. And so there you've got the quality road coming from the sire line in this particular spot with any given Saturday. Good turf pedigree as well on the dam side. My man, G Money, coming in to ride from uh, South yep. Louisiana. Uh, and uh, Lewis Coco has got him set up on a good one, I believe, here. He's already won uh, some races for the Connections. Jerry uh, DeLome, uh, who is, I believe is Jake DeLome, former NFL star quarterback uh, uh, that played for uh, the Panthers in the Super Bowl. Uh, Jake, uh, that's his uncle, I believe. And anyway, he is an excellent horseman, and he wouldn't be sending a horse here if he didn't think he had a legitimate chance. So I'm going to go with G money in his first turf try, hoping to get about 10 to one and walk the dog on the front end. in that one, um, we've got, uh, Mangelson is my second pick in that race. Um, and I went to the 11 big chopper, 
another one that uh, Scotty Gellner sends in, and it is by Shackelford, who's been known to send a turf runner, especially ones that went straight out to the lead. Now, the horse has never run at Louisiana Downs. I think that's an advantage. And C.J. McMahon, again, you know, I'm a big C.J. McMahon fan, and I believe that he uh, has excellent strategy a lot of times. And when they break out of the gate, he can read things that the other riders are doing that maybe maybe some of the riders can't, and he can make those split-second decisions that will help your horse. And so I believe Big Chopper has a legitimate long shot, long shot chance in this one. And my other long shot in the race is uh, out of a city zip mare who has not tried to turf, and that's Silver Galaxy for Joey Foster. And Gerardo Mora, who rode for Foster uh, first call uh, before he got injured last year um, on many horses, uh, he was the type of rider that had quite a bit of loyalty for Joey and Joey is showing that loyalty back for this particular horse. And Richard Benton, one of Joey's uh, longtime owners sends this one out has good numbers. If you look at the first turf ROI, $1 and 26 cents and a dollar 50 on 31 to 60 days away. Joey, obviously always good with horses from off a layoff. And uh, the only thing stakes over seven there, but I think that this one is an interesting value in this particular race and has come off of real two good efforts at Lone Star in a row. So I think that uh, this could be a uh, up jump the devil horse in the pick six sequence. Yeah, horse with uh, some races against Open Company, the one that you mentioned, Big Chopper, the dam of this runner too. A couple other positives. she uh, He can sit a little bit, which we've seen, and maybe he can let Mangleson go and then just kind of sit behind him and be the horse that's right behind him if he stops. And his right. dam, while he's only raced on the grass one time, his dam was a little sneaky. I actually remember her from out here in Southern California. She was named Miss Well Molded, and she yes. was nice. She was a nice, like, allowance-type claiming horse who was really good on the turf. She was a seven-time winner on the grass, too, with six more runner-up efforts. So the ability to be good on the grass. Robert, any uh, final thoughts here on the Louisiana Cup Turf Classic? Um, I mean, obviously, I think if you compare uh, Phil and I's picks, I think I think we're wide open. <laughs> we, that, and that's These races are so great because – a lot of them, four or five of the stakes that we're talking about are that type of races where you can you can make cases for 15, 20 to one shots, legitimate cases, because they're all coming from different places. We're seeing a big influx of horses coming in from Lone Star now uh, with form against open company. So uh, these races, we're not only getting the quality, but we're getting the quantity too, which make them really fun. We basically got the entire field covered in here, I think, yeah. except for Beauregard. So if we don't say Beauregard's name, he was going to win at 30 to one. So at least now that we've said his name, maybe he won't come in, come and get well, us. But yeah, one, one, a couple of names we did mention, but uh, just again, to the, to the, the large field, you know, we got two also eligible. Yeah. yeah. So we actually have 14 potential. That yeah. Can, so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we have to give uh, new racing secretary Matt Crawford a lot of credit in getting these horses into Louisiana Downs for this big day of racing. Of course, Matt was a former horseman himself, uh, and he raced one of my favorite horses back in the day, Big Sturgeon. And he was most recently an assistant um, 
racing secretary at Louisiana da at uh, Lone Star Park uh, in Dallas. And coming back to Louisiana Downs, I know a lot of the horsemen are excited to uh, see his return. And, uh, you know, the new condition book just came out and uh, uh, I'm seeing some new types of things in terms of the uh, the way that the races are written. So hopefully we'll be able to get uh, things going where more horsemen go to the inner box and uh, we'll get some uh, quality racing on the day-to-day -day basis that match up with what we're going to have Saturday. Yeah, a big shout to him. Fantastic stuff. As we move along to the juvenile Phillies and we uh, have races six and seven. Thanks so much, everyone, for hanging out with us as we navigate our way through the daily racing form past performances. We're looking at Saturday, Louisiana Downs for August the 6th, and races two through seven are all stakes races, six of them in a row. They're uh, just about $70,000 in purses for the stakes, and they are all fields of eight plus field sizes between eight and 12 some of these races as robert just mentioned even have also eligibles in them one of the more buzzworthy horses that we've seen uh, throughout the louisiana meet so far goes for state and flurry and flurry racing and that is lady flurry uh, i was able to speak with him a little earlier uh, before we are recording this he's got a big day talk about a fun saturday coming up he's got a two-year-old with all the upside in the world it's got a really big speed figure uh, but he actually can't be there because he's out at del mar watching she dares, she the, dares devil the devil in mm -hmm. the grade one clement hirsch at del mar so uh, not a bad problem to have when you got to be one place and not the other but i think from a conversation point uh, at least, Phil, we could start uh, start with her because she has been awesome. I think she almost broke a track record as like 40 years old. And she could have if she was asked. They they didn't even really have to right. ask her because she was so far in front of the field. So she, well, she's just been cool to, to watch. State and Flurry, who is a Hot Springs native, of course, I, I live in Arkansas as well and have lived in Arkansas near North Little Rock. I live in Sherwood. Uh, and, you know, Staten is a I like to call him the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Uh, I, I know you got to be a little bit good, but he's had tremendous luck with his uh, ownership ventures and uh, in the flurry racing stable and has uh, employed a few trainers as well with Brad Cox and Carl Broberg and, and others. And uh, Staten has a monster in this particular race. And I can't wait to see this Philly run on the grass because she is out of a storm and a half mare and it has pulpit on the top line and Lord Nelson. And I'm telling you, Gino, this horse will relish the weeds whenever she gets on it. That said, I think she's an absolute standout. And if something, uh, unless something goes seriously wrong in this race, there's no way you're going to be able to beat this particular filly. I think she is a superstar in the making and we'll find out how that goes for second money. I'm going to go with a long shot in this race that has run only one race. It was a winning effort and it was on the grass and uh, was ridden out in that particular race. Joel Dominguez for uh, Keith Broberg, uh, Bourgeois rather, uh, Bourgeois is 50% at Louisiana Downs with his limited uh, number of runners, four runners at the meet and hit the board in the other two, second and third. So he is 100% in the money. So I'm going to definitely lean my exactas toward Noda at 15 to one in this particular race. Others that deserve some mention, I think, Guitar Woman and Our Custom Darling. 
uh, and possibly if you want to go deeper in your exactas and trifectas, you might stick in the two Janet is ready for a chassis pommier and also a Rialto, Rialtos, Rialtos for Asmussen. This particular horse I thought ran a really big race, two races back to break her maiden at Louisiana Downs and then had her form clouded a little bit in that last effort uh, in the Prairie, uh, Golden Lassie stakes. And she was just overmatched in that particular race. And yeah, it was kind of weird. She sort of like ran into yeah. a, like a little bit of traffic and then she just kind of backed up. Right. You know, it she, wasn't like a brutal trip, but she kind of ran into a spot that she wanted and she couldn't get to. And then yeah. they just sort of wrapped up on her. So yeah, I, she seems she, like the type that wants to be clear of horses and wants yeah, to be toward the front end. She's better than that, but you're right. I think it does show maybe a little bit about her running style and that maybe I don't know if she's the one that wants to come from way, way out of it. No, Robert, she's a, she's another thing before we go to Robert on this, sure. the sharp, sharp Azteca angle is the one that really comes into play with this particular horse because it has been a tremendously hot two-year-old uh, sire as of late. So uh, I'll take a second look at that just based on the sire. Robert, uh, talk to us a little bit about the juvenile fillies. Okay, um, and, and actually this is another race that Alex did. I've, I've got a few things to throw in before I get to his comments. The one that Phil was just talking about, number six, uh, Rialto's the Sharp Azteca. Um, the breeder, Cloyce Clark, also was the breeder of Sharp Azteca. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> so he, he And he, he always had, I mean, anytime you see him as a breeder, uh, it's, it's definitely something to notice. Um, I mean, Lady Fleury obviously stands over the field. Um, that was very impressive what she did in that one race. So I'm looking forward to seeing her. Um, the number one um, Philly guitar woman, second thousand dollar Texas, where the top three finishers in that race were all three Louisiana bred. Um, I was hoping that Free Drop Maddie would come. Um, but she didn't make it, um, you know, the one that won that race, but, uh, we do get guitar woman. Um, Alex liked, um, he likes, he likes lady flurry, but he, he, he's kind of leaning towards one that hasn't been mentioned, believe it or not. Number eight. What can I say? Tom Amos Philly. Um, I mean, if you look at her works, um, I mean, she, yeah, I've, that that one on June 23rd at Keeneland, 47. Um, you know, bullet work at Keeneland, one out of 44, pretty strong. Uh, I think, yeah, she won by five links first race and at Indiana Downs. Um, you know, she has Tim Thornton riding her, so that that was the one. If if you're going to try to beat uh, Lady Fleur, that's the one that Alex had, along with Guitar Woman. What can I say was very impressive winning at Indy beat open company now is in with Louisiana breads kind of sat off a little bit was a step slow, but then moved into contention. The, yeah, the, the seven lady flurry is, is going to be very, very tough, especially if she can improve off of that effort at all in her second start. Um, Phil, you mentioned Noda who, wow, she was impressive. You know, she really was. She's actually a half sibling to a, a Texas bred stakes winner. And so she could be fine on the dirt. What I love is that she was impressive and also green. So there yeah. may even be some upside if she can, you know, get a little bit more mature with the races under her. Now, Joe Foster's had a good meet with the, with the first time starters and the two-year-olds. And he's just kind of quietly, he had a little bit of a lull for about a month. 
where he was just a little unlucky. What ends up happening is when you're a big barn like that, you kind of go through these cycles where your horses run, then they kind of run out of conditions or they all have to step up to the next right. conditions. And then they run second or third. And then it takes them once or twice at that level to win again. And he's won recently. He's had a nice week where he's won with his last three starters, actually, as we're talking on, uh, on Wednesday evening, a lot of you might be hearing this on Thursday. We're recording this on, uh, on Wednesday, just so everyone knows if anything does change between like Wednesday and Thursday, but a right. fun, fun group. Janet that's is, another, is ready. Yeah. That's but, another, another tri-star entrant as well for Joey, uh, his biggest owner, especially with these types of, uh, quality young horses. I know that uh, Jerry Hollendorfer is the uh, trainer on several of the uh, TriStar racing uh, horses that run at Oaklawn. And, uh, you, you know, you have to always watch those because the connections have a, a high strike rate. Uh, so, yeah, you don't don't rule out jo Joey, especially when he gets on a roll. He's like, uh, you know, the, the trainer earlier that I mentioned in Shane Wilson, uh, when his horses yes. get good, they stay good for a while. Yep. The two inside horses uh, are both stakes experienced. The, the one guitar woman was second in a stakes race over at Lone Star. The two Janet is ready actually won a stakes race at 21 to one beat open company at Prairie Meadows. She is really, really fast. Robert, anything else you uh, want to mention in here? Um, yeah, I was just kind of, cause I didn't really look at this race cause Alex did it, but I was just noticing on, um, back to Rialto. I mean, that was a $115,000, um, <laughs> yeah. Fleury's Philly. And by the way, Fleury, um, you know, a former super derby winner, the only time it was on turf with his, I think probably his first big horse, Mr. Misunderstood. Yep. Um, and arch, arch, arch. Yep. Yep. So, um, and then the connections, um, the Holig, Holig brand, however you say their name, are, are part owners on Rialto's. And they've obviously had some really big horses with Asmussen. So, uh, seems like a really good one there. Some future stars in the juvenile Phillies, which is race number six. Huge Let's exacta for me, Gino. Yeah. Seven, seven, four. Seven, four exacta. Well, shut yes. up. To my Nanu, Frank, I, I'm not really in numbers. I don't know if either of you guys are, are like a numbers player, but my Nanu and my mom, they both played numbers. And for my mom, she'll sort of handicap a little bit to make sure if the numbers, the one, three, five, or she plays two, four, seven. My Nanu was a four, seven and bless him. He was the chalkiest chalk player in the world. <laughs> if he saw like six to five over three to five on a four, seven, he'd go up there and play a hundred dollar exacta four, seven, a $50 box. So anytime I see the four, seven numbers, it always makes me smile. And I, I think I agree with you, Phil. I think those are probably my top two. The four is the one that I think is sneaky with some upside. And then there, there are some nice two-year-olds in here, but they'll all have to beat Lady Fleury, who was so impressive. That's a monster number for a two-year-old first time out of the box like that who could have gone even faster. So, um, and what's nice about her versus some of the others, like she is drawn towards the outside, which could help her a little bit if it takes her a few strides to get going again. But she's uh, certainly classy and she's bred to be a nice one. Let's finish it up in race number seven with the Louisiana cup sprint. And how about this? If you're alive in any exotics, like the pick six or the pick five or the pick four, and you come to the closeout leg, you've got a field of 11 in here with a lukewarm three to one favorite. 
in one of the more wide open races on the card. And that favorite is Creole Charlie, who's a little lightly raced when you just compare to some of the big horses and some of the other big races. He's never won a stakes. He's hit the board in all three of the stakes that he's been in, but he's drawn down on the inside in a sprint race, which could sometimes be difficult. Robert, let's start with you here in this finale. Tell us a little bit uh, about some of your thoughts on the sprint. Okay, and this is, again, another one that Alex did. So I'm just kind of reading his notes. Um, But I I, I do agree. I mean, this is a strong finishing race for for any sequence, Um, you know, which all of them will finish here. But, um, you know, so his comment is a race where there's value to find. Uh, He personally likes number nine, Brian's Iron Mike, who has the falling angles he really likes been training like a beast multiple bullets alan landry always seems to have his horses ready on big days iron fist his sire is becoming a strong louisiana stallion and this is his second race off of a layoff his price should stay somewhere in the nine to two range and possibly float up a little um second choice is number four takes two to tango um his second best career race came at Louisiana Downs last summer. He could win at a really nice price as he's eight to one on the morning line, but he's, he's very inconsistent. Um, number 11, Yankee sevens best race could win this race. He's a juicy 15 to one. The inconsistency is also his enemy. Uh, uh, Barnes is now under Cesar Govera. Stats are very underwhelming. <laughs> uh, if you believe either one of these are sitting on their best effort, you can be rewarded. Um, and then he threw some others out. Uh, number six, Creole Charlie, number six, X Clown. And then you got the nine year old gelding double barrel man. Um, and so his, his, his top four, nine, two, six, three. Uh, and Robert, you were. The posting about X Clown last time when he ran, right when he won yeah. about the about the name of him because yeah. he's for the Delome uh, Set Hut connections. Tell us a little bit about the name. Yeah, so the name is the play that um, the Panthers ran in the to I think it was to get to the NFC Championship game the year that they played in the Super Bowl and almost awesome. it was a play to uh, Steve Smith Senior. Um, was the name of the play X clown and he scored a, you know, 70 yard touchdown open down the middle on the Rams to win. Cool. And that's uh, the name of X clown who is a major player in this race. He came off of a win last time out where he was kind of in a little bit of trouble behind horses sort of waiting. And uh, he ended up getting moving in between horses at the top of the lane. It was a determined W to get up there. A couple that I thought were interesting towards the outside. Phil, you and I were mentioning this one a little bit earlier. Yankee 7 has a couple poor efforts last time uh, in the last couple races, but he certainly has races good enough to win this thing not all that long ago in uh, in you know February, March, and April of this year. So if you can just get back to his form a couple starts ago, he beat... You know, Birdie's Galaxy, he beat looking for Loki in those races. So he, he can show up with a really big performance. No uh, doubt. He's he's run against several of the uh, quality types of horses that you're going to find in the Louisiana bred ranks of these types of horses that have been running uh, for quite a while now. Uh, going back, uh, I want to mention something about uh, Brian's Iron Mike uh, that uh, Robert mentioned. Um, it was... 
beaten ahead last time out in the slop at Evangeline Downs, uh, taking a look at the uh, DRF formulator uh, form now. And we see that that particular race, he had a little bit of traffic trouble in that race. He was beaten by a horse, Young Bull, who is an Arkansas bred, uh, who uh, Riley Grudzian uh, attained through uh, dispersal, I believe, uh, quite recently. And she won with that particular horse first out. Um, and um, uh, Devin, her jockey, uh, did an excellent job of uh, getting him through to win that particular race. But that was a blanket finish, and uh, several horses were there on the wire. But you're talking about uh, a horse that definitely could win that, and that's Brian's Iron Mike, especially yep. if he gets the pace set up that he needs in the particular race. My pick was the number four, Gino, takes two to tango. Yeah. Uh, with my man, Louis Q, Oaklawn legend coming in and former writer at Louisiana Downs as well. Um, and I find it quite interesting. Uh, this is Luis Quinones with a Z. Now it says last time out on the form that the yes. horse was ridden by Luis Quinones with an S. Now he is more of a mountaineer, West Virginia type rider that area of the country so i'm a little confused on that i'm thinking why is he on that horse maybe it's just a typo is that a possibility i don't know but i really like this horse obviously has an affinity for louisiana downs four out of six lifetime with an 88 buyer speed figure his top and if he runs anywhere near that he will waltz home in this particular spot at what i hope is a pretty decent price kind of lightly raced spread out a little bit uh, sporadic but his workouts have been tremendous shows a bullet work on july 23rd at louisiana downs and then another maintenance work going a half mile in the mud on the 30th to stay on schedule but this horse will be well meant uh, for trainer jl garcia who has done a lot of winning at this particular uh, venue and melissa uh, Help me out with the last name, Cantagazine. She was, uh, she is, has been a tremendous long-term owner and uh, used to have horses with Ralph Irwin, who was a leading trainer at Louisiana Downs. So she has been a prominent part of the uh, Louisiana Downs scene. And I look forward to uh, her getting a good shot to win this particular race. That was such uh, a funny note, Phil, that you're right. So I went and looked that up, but you're right. Both Louis, we've, we had both Quinones ride this horse in, in back-to-back -back races, the different ones, the Louis M and the Louis. So the spelling is right because there are two different yeah. riders out there with a name. So that's hilarious that they've both been on the horse recently that you're yeah. talking about. And it looks funny looking but at the past performances to see it. Yeah. yeah. Different middle initial. <laughs> yeah. Louis <laughs> S and M. So that's so, that's funny. We're, uh, uh, and now Quinones that is jumping back aboard is the more heralded one who has, you know, multiple graded stakes winner who's won coming up on 4,000 races. So, um, very she, patient rider has a good judge of pace and is a, an excellent rider for sprint closers as well. Now this horse, I think is going to be a little bit more forwardly placed, but he's one of those riders that, uh, like Carlos Lozada and like CJ McMahon, 
they can kind of judge things at the break on what the other riders are doing and how their horse is responding and uh, get, get the best out of their particular horse to give them the greatest chance of winning. One uh, horse who I wanted to sort of mention and show a little bit about, he's a long shot that I think is interesting. So Black Sword is actually, if you're just playing him off of his recent form and his speed figures, he fits pretty well with this group. He's really not far off what it would take to, to win this race. And we can look at him last time out in a race behind uh, Creole Charlie and uh, takes two to tango. So a lot of the common type rivals, Yankee seven and all Toronto were also in that race. And he kind of had... beat the, he beat the Arkansas bred young bull that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And yeah. he's, so in this race, he's the one. What's a little bit difficult is it's always kind of hard in a big field like that to draw the rail because you get put in that weird spot. He has a fine beginning, but what ends up happening? Horses to the outside are just a little bit quicker, and they're able to cross over, and he ends up kind of put in the spot behind horses where you just kind of get shuffled and you're waiting for room. Birdie's Galaxy is able to cross over, and now Black Sword, as soon as he's behind Birdie's Galaxy – you see, he gets that shuffle now. He loses his positioning. He loses a couple lengths. All of a sudden, he goes from being right on the lead in contention to fourth. And that placing can really hurt a little bit. That's in, in competitive fields like this. That can be the difference between winning and losing or winning and finishing second. He tries to come back on again, and he actually just misses third. There's just not a whole lot of passing because Birdie's Galaxy is able to shake off the, uh, the challengers here and it didn't look like he really loved it down towards the inside. He kept trying really hard and he almost sent, uh, finished his third here. So I thought black sword was a little bit interesting. We've mentioned Vincente del Cid a couple times already, and he's not far behind uh, a lot of the major players in here. This is a great betting race to close out the card. Phil, give us some of your final thoughts in the seventh. Uh, I think those are some good points made on Black Sword. Another thing that I like, it looked like he was unprepared at the start in that race to me. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, and also the track at Evangeline Downs. I'm not saying it was biased that particular day, but it's been known to be a little bit of a conveyor belt at times for horses who make the lead. So, uh, Black Sword was up against it from that standpoint there. My picks, Gino, were four, nine, seven, six, eleven. And the only two that I don't think we've mentioned are the seven double barrel man who uh, Alan Landry uh, sends in. And uh, my man, Calvin Burrell, Calvin Henry Burrell rides. He won a race for me at Oaklawn way back uh, when my dad was alive in 1990 uh, on a horse called Witch Duster, a horse that we claimed from, believe it or not, Al Stahl and oh, Al wow. Stahl Jr. And it was trained by a young roommate of Al Stahl's by the name of Thomas Amos. And Tom Amos uh, lost that horse to me, and he was so distraught. And, uh, of course, you know what happened to him. We did win five races with Witch Duster, but obviously <laughs> I haven't had the success that Tom Amos has had in the industry or Al Stahl. But anyway, uh, going back to Double Barrel Man with Calvin Burrell, this particular horse has run against some of those same types, beaten mm -hmm. only a head the last two times out. Beat Creole Charlie a couple times a, back to back. Right, a winner three straight before that. So, you know, this horse is obviously live. Winless at Louisiana Downs, but two shows. And on his best particular day, he could be, be very tough in this race and comes off a little bit of a break, which is also encouraging to me. Uh, and X-Clown for 
uh, Jerry DeLome and Jake DeLome owns this particular horse, obviously, uh, is uh, coming off a huge, huge score at Louisiana Downs where he really exploded in the stretch to get up on the inside and win that particular race. And uh, that was a, a very nice prep for him coming off of a turf debut. Lots of ways you can go in this one, but I'm going to go with the four takes two to tango and maybe a couple of little saver bets on the underneath. I like that 15 to one shot. You like Gino Yankee seven as well to be up in the mix somewhere. Yeah. And at least uh, while we're, while we're hitting everyone before we get out of here in the next couple minutes, uh, the eight is Osceola who's been really sharp in her, in the, in his last two. I know this is a big step up for him, but he's got that kind of fun style where he can sit and then just kind of make an early move to the lead. And he fits Jose Guerrero and they fit each other really, really well. Down inside, right. you know, Mike J won three races in a, in a row, but I'm a little bit worried about him from the rail in a packed race like this. He may be in a in a tough spot if he can't clear. Well, you um, got to root for a horse like Osceola. You got a local yeah. connection here. This is a horse who's made all of its hay locally. And, uh, of course, Bob Schultz, a longtime Louisiana Downs horseman, uh, has this one. It's a, it's a really nice colt. And, uh you know, is getting better race by race. And uh, he is stepping up a bit in class, but you never know. Sometimes when they uh, start getting good, they stay good. And uh, that particular horse, uh, I know many people around the area would like to see uh, give a good effort and, and possibly win that race. Robert, give us some final thoughts on this one. Um, yeah, we were talking about Black Sword earlier in Birdie's Galaxy, um, and that, that was the horse Alex had in his fourth pick. He had 9263. But, you know, Birdie's Galaxy, nobody, nobody's beating that horse right now in Louisiana's sprint race. I mean, he, I, I was hoping he'd be here, but I, I think Fauché's giving him a rest. Um, yeah. You know, probably getting ready for fairgrounds. Um, um, but, but, so, I mean, there's nothing, no loss there. And he only got beat by three and three-quarter length in that race that you were showing. Um, and then uh, Phil had mentioned Tom Amos, you know, claiming the horse from Amos. Um, you know, Amos does have that filly going against Lady Fleury in the juvenile filly, and he is sitting like really close. I think he's within four or five races, uh, to hit 4,000 career. Yeah. And he has quite a few entries, um, you know, tomorrow and Friday. I'm not sure what he did today. And then he has a bunch on Saturday too. So, and about a thousand of those Robert came at Louisiana Downs in the 80s, right? That's kind of. <laughs> Um, so this could be a, it could be a fun day for him yeah. if he was sitting on that big one for that, for maybe a big race and some, a sentimental one at Louisiana. So that's something I'll be watching, you know, so if he gets anywhere close, we'll definitely, um, definitely have to shout out to him to get that 4,000 at Louisiana Downs. It'd be cool. Fellas, I got to say, this has been a blast. It's been so much fun. Uh, I, I just sort of asked you guys if you'd come and hang out and didn't really give you a, a time, and, and we've had a blast handicapping the card. There probably won't be very many places where you'll see, you know, uh, 75 to 80 minutes of analysis on this Saturday card. We hope that we help lead some of you out there to a few winners. And even if, uh, if you know, not on this big day like this, it's really it's really good to be able to talk about some of these horses who deserve a spotlight this weekend and on Saturday. These are some of the best of the Louisiana breads and they deserve to have a big day for them to be featured. Uh, Phil and, and Robert, I got to say to both of you, thank you so much because this has been my first meet 
covering Louisiana Downs every race, every single day. And both of you have helped me out quite a bit with uh, just following along with you, with your handicapping and just talking back and forth with you and helping with little things like pronunciation or fun stories. You guys know a lot about the connections over there and you really help make it uh, a lot easier for me to go out and talk. So Phil, uh, first up a big thank you. And I love uh, watching and rooting for your horses. And I I hope we can uh, get you back again to talk more racing soon. Gino, I appreciate you asking me on. Robert, I love your uh, columns uh, with the Louisiana Sports Reporters and uh, have uh, really enjoyed uh, getting to know you on Twitter. And uh, Gino, you have done an excellent job with the analysis. I love watching the race replays and the commentary that you make. It helps me in my handicapping because I get a chance to actually watch a race replay from a different perspective. And that sometimes leads me to horses that Uh, might be valuable at a price. And I know that you like to uh, focus on trying to beat the favorite occasionally. So that helps me out quite a bit. Oh yeah, Phil. Hopefully this will be the uh, the first of many chats. Uh, Robert, again, thank you so much. You are such a great resource out there for Louisiana horse racing. Uh, We couldn't get Alex on here, but we'll have to bring him back next time. We were able to get some of his thoughts. It's been so fun getting to know you. Yeah, well, same here, Gino, and I'll second what Phil said, everything. I mean, the the great job with the replays, really enjoy you and John kind of lining out, you know, the the pre-race picks, and, um, you know, and always when I have time, I like to follow, you know, your pick four, your pick five tickets, and you've done well on those. You could could make a lot of money following you, but um, Phil, it's very, very nice to talk to you. And um, Likewise, Robert. Look look forward to meeting you. Are are you there Saturday? We'll, uh, I won't be there Saturday, but we'll work out sometime toward the end of the meet where I will be able to get back in touch with the, yeah, yeah. you you and your partner there. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, one thing that I wanted to mention about Gino's podcast as well, that's what G says. Don't forget about that because there's a lot of good information. Even if you're not a horse player uh, on a regular basis, there's lots Thank of information so on sports and, and other activities that uh, – Uh, I find quite interesting. He has some very good interviews with some of the horsemen as well. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you so much, Phil. I really appreciate it. Robert, this has been a blast. Thank you to everyone for hanging out with us. And um, like always, if you enjoyed what you saw here, head on over to drf.com. Any racetrack that you're going to be handicapping anytime you want to prep for the races, you can get those formulator past performances. And right now with the, Del Mar with Saratoga with great summer racing. We can get, uh, we can take all the help we can get. So use those great resources there. Make sure to give both of these folks a follow on social media. First up, you want to give Phil a follow. You can follow him at Phil Cleek. Phil has been great. He's so fun to interact with. If you ever want to talk Louisiana racing or racing in uh, in general, he's uh, an excellent handicapper, as you've heard here. And we always are rooting for his horses to get home. And then give Robert a follow and uh, Alex's partner there at LA Horse Reporter on Twitter. Um, the title is Louisiana uh, LA Horse Reporter. So, Phil, thank you so much. Robert, thank you so much. This was a blast. And uh, thanks again to everyone for hanging out with us. Now, don't forget. Thanks, everybody. Good luck Saturday. Yeah, yeah the, the big day is Saturday. Lots of opportunities to make your money. And remember, it's going to be a little bit early of uh, a first post on Saturday. It's going to go as 2.45 p.m. Eastern time, I believe. So we're going to be a little bit earlier for Saturday's post. You'll be able to uh, get your wagers in and follow along with some of the other great racing action all over the place. Phil and Robert, uh, thanks again. 
thanks so much to everyone. And we'll uh, have much more content for Louisiana Downs coming very, very soon. All right. Big thank you to Phil and big thank you to Robert for helping out. That was a lot of fun getting uh, race by race deep into the Louisiana card for Saturday. Make sure if you need any additional help, you come on over to Twitter. It's me, Gino B. I'm going to post a lot of stuff on Friday, some tweets, some additional videos. And then on Saturday, I'll be helping out before and after each and every race on the broadcast, on the live feed. So come on over and play Louisiana Downs for our very big day of racing on Saturday. Let's finish up this episode talking some football. We're going to preview the NFC East team by team. We spend uh, about an hour or so with Eric uh, diving into the Cowboys, then the Eagles, then the Washington Commanders and the New York Giants. We talk about each team, the new players, how uh, their their strengths and their weaknesses uh, based on their units, offensive line, defensive lines, uh, overall defensives, coaching staffs. We look at their schedules, we talk about their win totals and their odds to win the, the the division, and we really try to discuss everything for each team to preview the NFC East. Eric joins me right now. If you're a football fan, we've already previewed all of the divisions and all of the teams in the AFC on prior editions of That's What G Said, so if you want a little help getting set up for fantasy or for making some future wagers or just to get prepped for the NFL season, we've got all of the AFC already previewed, and the NFL preseason games have actually started now. We're five weeks away from the first actual NFL game. Let's dive into the NFC East. It's time to talk some NFL, and as we are recording this, we're recording this on Thursday night at around 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on August the 4th. There's actually a football game, a preseason game. And, Eric, we are five Thursdays away from the first NFL game, which will be right around this time when you uh, – right around this time five weeks from now. Um, pretty cool when it starts to feel that close and we're already halfway done with our team by team previews. We've already finished up with the AFC. We're moving all the way over to the NFC now. Uh, time's flying. I mean, I, it's, I mean, NFL starting. I love this time of year. Like I was just talking to you before this doing like my, my first draft of like, so mm-hmm. d- dealing with the slow draft of the super flex. So yeah, it's a fun time of year. And you know, these football games mean something. Um, Big news was announced today as uh, Matthew Barry is signing yeah. the um, Sunday Night Football. That's cool. Uh, so that's cool. That's going to be a little bit, little bit different to see like how they use him and what programming they can come up with him. Kind of cool for him because he started with Roto World and doing stuff for NBC Sports, and now he gets to come back there <clears throat> with just like an expanded role doing the mm-hmm. Sunday Night Football stuff. So. Yeah, I love him. He's he's funny. He's always he's always been great because he has a good sense of humor along with his really good fantasy analysis too. So I've I've always liked him and a lot of his uh, listened to a lot of his pods and read a lot of his work. I mean, he was like the godfather of fantasy football. Yeah, I mean, like he started off like with the fantasy baseball, and then he had the foresight to say, "Hey, this is actually the way to go." So he completely dumped all his fantasy baseball knowledge mm-hmm. stuff and. Yep. Um, 
you know, now he's rocking out with the uh, with the fantasy football. And for as much, he gets a lot of crap, but, I mean, he does a whale of a job. I mean, he he does. does. And anyone's going to get crap in – he he is like legitimately funny. He was a, a writer like a for comedy TV shows. So yeah. guy know guy knows his stuff. He works hard and uh, shout out to him. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's cool because I, I I was a big big fan of the podcast their podcast for a long time and he's always been someone who, who would give you some good information and would also make you laugh a little bit along the way. So that was cool. Matthew Barry will be seeing him in big games and some of those big games will be ones that the Dallas Cowboys are in. Uh, like week one, right? Uh, Sunday, September the 11th, they play Tampa on Sunday night football and the Dallas Cowboys are slightly favored to win the division. We're seeing their win total at 10 and a half. Is that what you see? Yep. 10 and a half. So and a half. Dallas with a, a division that has been for about five last five years or so pretty, pretty weak overall. Dallas is usually a team that just kind of that has the most talent and they sort of win by attrition. They haven't really been all that impressive in in recent years. And one thing for them last year was their defense was was really efficient and sort of overplayed how good they they maybe really were. And this is something that you and I have talked about now in the years that we've been uh, talking football. From game to game and from year to year, teams that create turnovers and get the turnovers, it's when when those are like a major source of your scoring and your winning, it's just hard to sustain that. It's a it's a positive thing to do, but when that's a big part of why you're winning games or why you're really, you know, in a lot of games, it's hard to sustain that from game to game and then especially from year to year. And that's one thing I think when in talking about Dallas with you a little bit in, in other shows before this one. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to sustain what we saw from them defensively last year. Uh, yeah. Uh, the big thing what they're able to do is they had that two-headed uh, monster of Micah Parsons and Randy Gregory that were able to rush the passer. And having Gregory there and having Parsons there, the O-line, the opposing team's O-line couldn't double team. One of them, they had to play honest with them, basically. Go one-on-one, one, and that allowed them to create the fourth pressure. Fourth most pressure. I know they signed um, Deontay Fowler, uh, third team, and I think he's only 25 years old. So, you know, there's a reason why he's had so much turnover. Dante Fowler is anywhere near Randy Gregory. Them not being able to create the pass rush, I believe it's going to limit how good their defense is, and it's going to limit how efficient Diggs was because Diggs gave up the most yards in the NFL receiving, and he had 11 INTs. Teams weren't scared of him. Over a thousand yards yeah. in coverage in, in in receiving, it's he's just he's the gamble guy, you know. Yeah. He'll he'll take a chance on you, but they they're not afraid to attack him because he's sort of like quarterbacks are like, okay, we'll get he'll get an interception every now and then, but if we just keep going at him, he's going to keep taking chances, and then we're going to sort of be able to bait him. Yeah, and that's what. They, yep, and that's I think that's what's going to happen. Um. And then you can just kind of like take a step back. Uh, they play six games against quarter subpar quarterback play. So I think offenses as a whole in this division are going to be a lot better than they were last year. Um, so that's something to remember. Uh, like I said, losing Gregory is is big. He also helped against the run game. I think you're going to be able to very to run on the interior of them. And Dallas's off- defensive tackles combined. 
for the 30th pro football focus run grade last season, run defense grade last season. Yep, they could have. I think, and Gregory is a good defender against the run, so I think that's just going to, that's going to hurt it even more. Um, Yeah, their defense definitely has some issues. I know, um, you know, gambling and everything, when you look at a team, it's all about buying low and selling high. And when you think about histories of the team, like you think about football teams in the NFL, first teams that come to mind are probably the Packers, Cowboys, with all the kind of like the prestige they've had as, um, as football teams. Last year was the highest scoring Dallas football, Dallas Cowboys team ever. It can literally only go down. They lost uh, Lando Collins, which I think is a huge blow to the offensive line. Lost Cow- Cow- Connor Williams, excuse me, to the uh, Miami Dolphins. I feel that's a huge blow. They brought in the kid, Tyler Smith from Tulsa, played in the American Conference. That's basically like the sixth best conference in all of college football, but he like led the conference in holding penalties. You know what I mean? It's there's only like one elite level defense there and that's Cincinnati. So how is he going to fare playing against better competition? That's a legitimate worry. Obviously you're, you're losing Cooper. I know people may not like Cooper, but he at least is someone that the defense has to respect. He, Cooper, so now in, instead of Cooper, Gallup, you, it's a, it's Cedric Wilson, you know, it's question marks now. Isn't there. Yeah, the it's question marks. really isn't there, so that's There's that's no a depth. Worrisome. Nearly yeah. no near depth on the offensive line with the wide receivers, right? There's so many little questions I have about this team that it, they're still talented enough to be they're going to be a 9 or 10 win team. I just don't think that they're good enough to to be, you know, a 12 plus win team um and a Super Bowl contending team, especially with their coaching staff. When it's a close game and you have to worry about scheme and out coaching the other side, how how confident do you feel in Mike McCarthy? I not at all. And I, I truthfully feel like the one time he won it all, that if Cutler didn't get hurt, the the Bears would have gone to that Super Bowl game. Um where you need to remember it was Chad Henney that came in and played for the Bears and the Bears were winning by the time when Cutler went out. So I don't really think McCarthy is the quote-unquote guy. I know like a big thing was made the year he got fired. He went to PFF, learned all about analytics and whatnot. Sure hasn't seemed like it. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely got got some questions there. Um, You know, kind of a put-up or shut-up season for C.D. Lamb. C.D., certain people like him, certain people don't like him. I don't like them, um, you know, just looking at his splits, numbers don't lie. And when he lines up in the slot against weaker cover men, because a majority of the DBs just play the outside, it's rare that a DB will play inside of the slot of a legit star DB. Um, his production is just better, but anytime he goes outside against better coverage, his production isn't as good. So that's a legit worry because if CD Lamb's going to be the guy, we really don't know what's going to go on with Dolan Schultz. Yes, I know, like, like, is he going to hold out? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what's going to go on there. Zeke got paid. What is his motivation going to be? But the one and thing And he's that, starting to get miles on yeah. miles now, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the one thing that Jerry Jones has kind of shown us is that anytime um, he pays someone, the next year they kind of get the ball. So that's going to kind of be interesting to see, like... They've even said... We want to make sure Zeke gets the ball, and we're going to try to use Tony Pollard in other ways, which is fine. Pollard's been the better running back and the better 
receiver out of the backfield. He hasn't ever really gotten the, the same amount of touches. I, yeah, I, just so many little things I don't love. Like Van Der Esch hasn't really been as good since that rookie year. Major positive last year was Curse. He had a um he led the team in tackles and recorded the league's lowest missed tackle rate. So that was someone who was a, a big, uh, big positive and hopefully could, you know, be a major help for them in the secondary. Offensively, they still have some weapons there, but they, you know, they don't just that just taking Cooper away, everybody seems like their slotting is off, right? Yeah. Like CD and Cooper are, are, are one, two. Yeah. To start the year. So that's another thing. I think Gallup's a little bit. Underrated. Uh, Cedric Wilson isn't there anymore. Yeah, this team just isn't as deep. And I kind of feel like with how they did last year, the only way they can legitimately go, you know, is down. And they brought in James Robinson. He's out. So, I mean, you're just looking at Washington, 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 excuse me. So, I mean, you got Jalen Tolbert, Dennis, Dennis Houston, Noah Brown. Like, and you're going to, that's your group. You're going to need Schultz to do what he did last year and more. And it's hard when, and and maybe he will, right? Maybe he's just going to ascend and be that type of player. But some with tight ends and a lot of times you got to make players prove it multiple years that you're that type. So I. He only has one way to go and it's down. You know what I mean? From last year, it's not going to be better than last year. He's not someone that I'm going to invest in in fantasy. No, not at all. We nitpick the ty- uh, the offensive line a little bit in that if they are all healthy throughout the year, they could be a solid offensive line. But they have some injury issues. Martin is someone uh, who's always been banged up here and there, and they have some major question marks on the uh, offensive line if they can't stay healthy. So possibly a, a good offensive line, but not a whole lot of room for error. Not at all. Um, I'm not buying the offensive line, to be honest with you. Uh, Martin and the other Smith, Trey, they have a Tyler Smith, which is the kid who gets holding penalties. They have Tyron Smith, who has an injury history. So, if, and so does Smith that and Martin. Martin both. Yeah. So if those guys go down, that's another big thing. It's just, I don't know. They This team has a lot of issues. And it's going to kind of be interesting to see what happens this offseason, not this, this season, if they can stay healthy and if they can protect um, protect Prescott. And, you know, we got Prescott second year coming back from that gruesome injury he had. Is he going to be a little bit more mobile? Because he wasn't looking to run as much as, um, you know, as much as he did in the past. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm down on this Cowboys. Like you said, I question the coaching staff, question the offensive line. I think the defense is going to regress. I I have them. I went through it. I think they get nine wins. I have them at 10. But what's difficult about their schedule is that they're, some schedules for some teams are uh, easy first part and then tougher second part. They don't really have – they have a lot of like tough stretches throughout. Weeks one and two, right off the bat, you have two games that are at home, but they're both losable games. Yeah. They could lose to Tampa. They could lose to Cincy. And then it's not an easy game right after that because you go on the road on a short week to play a division rival that's always got you circled. There, It's going to be Monday night football. They're going to be all pumped up for that game. And you're going to have just played 
two tough teams that are, you know, that think they're Super Bowl contenders, then you got to go play a divisional rival that's like a real flat spot. Yeah, that's their schedule. You're right. Their schedule really didn't do them any favors. Um, you know, there are a couple spots I do have circled. Uh, week, what is it? Week, um, week five, they're playing at the Rams. Rams are coming off a game against the 49ers, a game on Monday Night Football. So a little bit of a um, flat spot there for possibly the possibly possibly a spot there. Uh, Week seven, they play the Detroit Lions. Um, Lions are coming off extended rest in that game. Uh, Week 12, they're playing the um, the Giants on a uh, excuse me, on a short week on the road. no, at home, excuse me, week 13, they're playing the Colts on extended rest. Um, Colts are coming off Monday night football. So, you know, the Colts have a short break. Um, Cowboys have that 10 day rest. Uh, week 16, they're playing the Eagles third road game in a row, which is always tough. And then week 17, they're at Tennessee and it's kind of sandwiched between the Eagles and Washington spot. And one thing that the NFC East has always kind of shown us is that uh, it always comes down to the last week. And if that's the situation, it's a big it game. A, it could be a little bit, you know what I mean? That's sandwiched mm-hmm. between two games. So that could be kind of a spot where you could look to get a little, little value on Tennessee rival have those guys ready to play without a doubt. Yeah. Just eat, throughout 16 through 18. Those are three losable games against yep. the Eagles. And then two road games to close out one and two. You could be zero and two to start or two and zero. but then even weeks five and six, like, you were talking about that Rams game. Uh, that those are two road games. You go at Rams at Philly. That's not an easy little back to back. Not yeah. And then come back. You you have your bye, and then come back off the bye at Green Bay at Minnesota. Yeah. Not not I easy. Yeah, I. They have a tough like yeah like you said they have a tough little stretch. Um, it's also we talked about it when we recorded for BTV. It's going to be interesting to see how these teams do the following week after they play the physicality that the Eagles are going to have. Mm-hmm. That's kind of going to be something like we can kind of keep an eye on them, like and and watch out because after playing the after playing the Eagles, which are a physical game team, then you have to go play the Lions, and the Lions like they have a top offensive line too. So and the Lions are coming off of extended rest. So yeah, like they like situate the situation little spots they have some tough ones in the schedule let's talk about the eagles next anything else you want to mention about the cowboys um no that is it let's hit philly so philadelphia has a win total is it is it up to 10 or is it still nine and a half it's nine and a half ten depending on what book you shop at okay so philly's win total is in the nine and a half ten range and they look like a really improved team off of a year where they were already improved and they looked like they were starting to find an identity last year. They end up making a big move to bring in A.J. Brown. So that gives them A.J. Brown to go along with Devontae Smith to give them a very nice one-two for the wide receivers. And they have a, a good uh, third option now with Quez Watkins. Then Dallas Goddard coming off of a strong year at tight end. He's a, a top tight end option. Their offensive line is going to be one of the best in the league. The defensive line is very, very good. They don't have a whole lot of weaknesses overall. It may just come down to their coaching staff. How good is this staff? Can they take another step forward now? Year two, they've got some film on you. They sort of know some of your tendencies now. Can you readjust 
But this team I like in this division, I I think you do too. Let's uh, let's talk a little more about Philly. Um, I love this team. I absolutely love this team. We saw last year, we saw their big uh, the big switch they made. Seven games in, they're having Hurts drop back seven times. You can't win playing like that. They figured it out. Sirianni figured it out. He's like, look, I have one of the better offensive lines. I have a quarterback that can do some RPOs. I need to run the ball more. That drop down there, running the ball over 36 times a game, passing the ball 25. Because of that, they're able to win the time of possession. And their offensive line was just able to constantly lean on um, opposing defenses, shorten the game. And they just went on a, what was it? Excuse me. And um, they just went on that run to make the playoffs. Um, A.J. Brown, great, you know, good wide receiver. But this is my worry about his drops have gone up and his yards after catch have gone down the last two years. Why did the Titans trade him? You know what I mean? Like, it makes me feel that there's something up that isn't isn't out there. Some um, aggression or some injury or yeah, maybe like there's... Why, you know what I mean? Like, why? You know, you just kind of look at, okay, your drops are up, your yards after the catch are up. Why is that going on? Um, Hurts, I just need, like, I took him 30 to 1. I just need Hurts to be Trent Dilfer. Run the football, RPOs, don't make silly mistakes. That's all I need from him because his defense is legit too. Because uh, when you look at it, Tyler Haneke had more passing yards. Baker Mayfield, who is basically playing with his shoulder, like hanging on by two ligaments, had more TD passes than Jalen Hurts. You know what I mean? So <laughs> what, you know, like what step is he going to make? You know, is he going to make a step? Like I said, I just need him to be serviceable there. Um, in terms of fantasy, look, Devontae Smith, 22% target share. Dallas G, fifth in the league for tight ends for target share. You only have 38 abandoned targets. That is how many players left and their targets. So only 38. Where is A.J. Brown's eight targets a game going to come from? So It's, it's going to really get sorted out, yeah, right? You, <clears> it's yeah, not going to be easy. Like, that no, like, that's not going to be easy. But then again, we saw last year, we saw like when these guys have connections from college, they tend to lean and trust them and go to them more. You know what I mean? Is he still going to go to Devontae Smith? So I don't know. Um, You talked about Nick Sirianni. I think he kind of blew it. I'm not going to say they would have won the game against the the Bucs. I bet bet him to win that game, to cover. Um, You know, it was a seven-point game, muff punt. You know, I'm not saying they would have won the game, but they would have been in a better position. Uh, the wheels kind of fell off with the Rieger fumbled it. Defensively, they are ninth fewest rushing yards, six fewest yards per carry. They got their defensive scheme is simple. Just can just win the point of attack and we're going to wear out the offensive line, which is going to help us later in the game. Their big issue was they were never able to get to the quarterback. They brought in Harrison Riddick which is great because they never blitz. They only blitz 16% of the time last year. So they need that guy, guy in Riddick coming off back-to-back double-digit sacks that can get to the quarterback, disrupt, make him go through his progressions quicker, which is important because they have two elite DBs in um, Bradbury and Slay back there now. So I think the defense is in good, a pretty good spot. I think it may take the offense a little bit of time to quote-unquote figure it out. To gel, yeah. Yeah, to figure it out. You know what I mean? Because it did take him some time. You did make a good point. You know, uh, yeah, Sirianni's a le- Sirianni is a legit, like, worry point for me. Is he, like, has he figured out what he needs to do to get better? Because you look at these, I call them the OG coaches. 
they just kind of sit back and smoke cigs, you know, they don't worry about it when they're down 10 points in the set or 14 points in the first, second quarter. And they just stick with the game plan of running the ball. And they kind of let you make a mistake or two. Right. And then get back into it that way. And then they kind of pounce. They don't, they don't panic. Yeah. And they just, yeah, they just stay with the script. So I'm a little bit, hopefully he's learned from his mistakes. The defense is great. Offensive line. You know, they grafted the kid from Cincinnati, Cameron Jerkins. He can come in if Kelsey gets hurt. He can play either interior guard position. They're um, projected number one know. by uh, yeah. P- by PFF. Yeah. Yep, I have a number one, third in run blocking last year. Um, eight, what were they? Eighth and, no, they were eighth in sacks allowed, but I think that's more on Hurts, what Hurts was doing, running around the pocket, fifth in pass blocking. So, yeah, like, I, I think their offensive line is good, but I will say this. They are going to lose week one to the Lions, though, because I think it's going to take them a little bit to gel. Lions are going to be a little bit, um, you know, there's going to be a little value there. And if you parlay the Texans, Lions, and Falcons money line, that's 26 to 1. Just and saying, then that's you, what I'm going to be doing. You wait till after week one to bet Philly, then yeah, in you any, you know, in because anything. Because we did last year. Because, I mean, like, yeah, their odds how, will. Yeah, like in the last couple of years, it's kind of gone to the point where, Okay, now you find the, the future price during the season. No, preseason and during the season. You and I, like, we mapped it out for everyone that listens why you should take Eagles plus 330 to make the playoffs. You and, hit that. No, you hit that yeah. perfect. You were way on that early, You and you started mentioning it week to week when it was happening, and you were looking in their schedule and that. uh, Seeing, seeing how they're playing. And that's, like, that's the nice thing now because it used to be you just had to lock those futures in, and you're just kind of stuck with them. Now, I mean, with how with how gambling's gotten, I mean, you can do stuff anytime. You can bet like live over unders, live MVPs. So, I mean, that's that's where the true value comes in with betting now. Let's take a quick look at their schedule. It's pretty nice for them, honestly. Their first six weeks. You mentioned the game at Detroit right away, but at, uh, at least on paper, not necessarily diving into the spots or maybe how the the particular matchups are. They're all sort of winnable games, you know, at the Lions, home for Minnesota, at Washington, home for Jacksonville, at Arizona, home for Dallas before their bye. They could they could be four and two. Yeah, they could definitely go on a run. Um, I'm just looking at it like how they're built. They yeah. should be better later in the year with the run game and just sort exactly. of like just with Sirianni kind of just putting some of their weapons together. But uh, yeah, so I agree with you too. The way that they're built, they're going to be a team that could be stronger later. They just, they don't have the worst schedule right off the bat to start. They could, they could still find themselves in pretty good form heading into the bye. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, There's just a couple spots. Uh, Their bye is in week seven. The only one bad spot is week three. They're at Washington um, coming off a short rest back-to-back home games. That could be a little tough. Week nine, they are playing the Texans on a short rest. Uh, Week 10, they are playing the Commanders at home. The Eagles will be on an 11-day rest because that's Monday Night Football. That is a phenomenal spot for them. Uh, Week 11, they're playing the Colts who are coming off a short rest. Week 13, playing the Titans who are coming off the Bengals game. That game's definitely circled. Uh, Titans looking to get some revenge. I really am not that high in the Bears, to be honest with you. I don't think anyone is, but they do play the Bears week 15 coming off a bye. And then week 16, probably a spot to fade them. Third road game in a week. 
in mm-hmm. three weeks. Um, you know, Christmas Eve type game to Dallas will be rocking. That's, you know, there's just a couple spots. But when you look at the team and how they're built and how big they are, like you said, this is a team that's like built for January, December, February football. Not a team that's built for like, you know, the early part of the season stuff. They're built to deliver that knockout punch. The In the later, trenches. The, yeah. Yeah. The later the the uh, the season gets. Yeah, that uh, you were mentioning some of those games that Indy on a short week, then you have home games versus Green Bay and Tennessee, then the three straight road games, and one of them is on a short week. So the third of the road games to finish off is also on a short week. That December 24th game on Christmas Eve, they're just going to want to just get a few days off after that and get back home to your family for Christmas. You know, it's just like, can we get out of here, please? So uh, not... Not an easy stretch of their schedule there, but not the most difficult overall coming right off the bye. Three winnable games there with Pitt. You mentioned Houston. That's on a short week uh, in Washington, at least with the Houston game. It's only the second week back off of the bye. So, you know, they did have a little time off before it. Not compared to this schedule to Dallas schedule. This one looks a lot more favorable. I think they can win 11 or 12 games, Eric. Yeah, I think it's possible. It all kind of depends at the beginning of the season. Where do you have how them? How much it takes to win. I only have them winning nine, to be honest okay. with you. Yeah, I, I, th- I have them 11. Struggle. I think they're going to struggle a little bit at the beginning of the season. You know, Sirianni's young. You got a new player in A.J. Brown. How is all that going to fit together? You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of moving parts, and I think he's, he can figure it out. I think it's just going to take him a little time to figure it out, kind of like it did last season. You and me probably have pretty close to the same, but it, it sounds like you've got them <clears throat> losing at Detroit and maybe losing at Houston. And if those, I have, them, I have them losing. I actually have them losing three games before the bye. Okay, so I have them losing at Detroit. I think they lose at Washington in week three, and I actually think they lose at Arizona because it's the week before the Dallas game. I have them losing those two. I have the the two road games there: Washington at Arizona. I have them beating Detroit. I have them beating Houston. That's probably Houston. I have them losing to Indy. In Green Bay and then losing One of the games To either I kind of put them in stretches like I have them either losing At New York or the Bears I I think they lose two of those three road games That they have in a row right there Then come back with a couple W's so Yeah I have them in the uh, 11-ish range You're a little lower on them Yeah I have them losing to Houston, losing to Indy Losing to Green Bay um, Losing to the Giants And losing to the Cowboys I mean I just like I said, I think it's just going to take a little time for it to gel um, and then come playoff time, just run that rock. Philly, anything else to mention before we move on to the Commanders? Uh, no, that's it. Hopefully we can get this 30 to 31 future home. Let's get to Washington. Washington brings in Carson Wentz, the cooler. Uh, but but it's not as if Washington's had incredible quarterback play over the last couple of years. Is there over under eight? Is that what you're saying? It kind of depends. Like some shots have it eight at minus one twenty. Other shops have it seven and a half at plus money for the under. Some shops have it at minus eight. Excuse me, eight and a half heavy juice. So it all kind of depends, like where you have it and everything. Talk to us about Washington. Um. So. Looking at looking at the offense, a they have Scott Turner as the offensive coordinator. What Turner likes to do is run the RPO and play action passes. Wentz was fourth in play action passes last season. He ran the seventh most RPOs for the Colts. 
Yes, he has a good deep ball. Six best completion percentage on passes over 20 yards, which absolutely blew my mind when I read that stat. But he makes some really bad decisions. I still think he hears footsteps. And you know what I mean? Like, I just, there's just something about him I don't trust. And then I'm always from the mindset that actions speak louder than words. You have Antonio Gibson coming off a thousand yard season. You have a third round pick. You have offensive line needs. You have, um, you know, you have linebacker needs. You have positions that you have needs. And you draft running back Brian Robinson with that pick. So, you know, that's a little worry for Antonio Gibson. I mean, the future I'm on with them. Sort of like it tips their their hand a little bit. Because you usually don't waste that kind of capital on a backup running back. No, not at all. You know, with when you have another young, younger ish back who just last year was like a really hot draft in fantasy. You know, a lot of people were really high on him. He had seven fumbles in the red zone, which they weren't high on. Um, You know, he only had a 57 percent carry share. He led the backfield in carries, but there was only J.D. McKessick. Now this year, there's J.D. McKessick, Brian Robinson, who actually they run this inside zone running running system. He actually is a better inside runner than Antonio Gibson, so he kind of fits the run scheme better. Um, and then everyone talks about what Shanahan does did with Debo. Way before that, Turner in Carolina was doing that with Curtis Samuel. Turner and Rivera leave to go to um, Washington. Samuel signs with Washington, but he was hurt last year. So everyone kind of forgets that Samuel was Debo before Debo was Debo. You know what I mean? So you got four guys now that are going to be competing for carries. I think Gibson's touches are going to go down a lot. And then you factor in the offensive line takes a step back because there's no Eric Flowers, no Brendan Surf. Um, both of them are long. You bring in Trey Turner. Yes, I know Turner's familiar with the system because he played at Carolina. However, he's not that good. Like I know as one of the lowest rated offensive linemen. So I think that takes a step. Uh, a step it was. Backwards. It's not a bad move financially for their team right and like in their for their future and everything but it's going to hurt them overall in the field because they don't have a great replacement there it would have been a lot of capital and a lot of investment so why aren't you taking an offensive lineman there you know what i mean like it just 100 in the fourth round why are you taking a backup running back and not an offensive lineman right there absolutely it just doesn't make sense it's a poorly run organization still right when you have someone but i think it kind of speaks to like what they think of gibson a hundred percent agree. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. You're not going to do that. Um, so overall, it hurts your team because now you had to invest in a spot where you're not ever going to have those two guys on the field at the same time, so they can't really help you simultaneously. And it's you know they're they're not really strong in the middle of the defense in their linebacker spots. They should be better secondary, and if they're just healthier, their defensive front could could be. Much better than they were last year And much more like we thought With this team But how good does that make them right I thought last year they were going to be The type of dominant defensive team That would be in games But probably lose some close games They were sort of the opposite They would be in these bizarre shootout type games And they won a couple weird games Where they would score a ton of points And with crazy stuff happening They I think the template of their team will look a little different this year, right? They don't, they're not going to be that. They'll be hopefully a more defensive team that will keep them in games, but I just don't know 
how many games does that have them win, right? Still, even even if that's the case, they don't look to me like they're better than either of the first two teams that we talked about, and they have a lot of games on their schedule where, I mean, starting in week two, from week two all the way to week ten, how many wins are here? Because ev- this is the type of team that every road game for them is probably going to be pretty tough, right? Yeah. They're not going to have very many gimmies on the road. You go to Detroit, that's not a gimme. Then you come home, you play Philly, you play, you go at Dallas, you have the Titans, then you go at the Bears, you have Green Bay, you go at the Colts, you have the Vikings, and you go at Philly. I mean, weeks I mean, two through ten, that's not easy. Well, just, and then just to piggyback, just listen to week ten, at the Eagles, who are coming off an 11-day rest. At Texans on the short week, and that is their third game and third roadie in four weeks. At the Giants, who are coming off an eleven-game rest and a 49ers. really late bye, yes. a four, yes. a week fourteen bye. So that Giants game and those those three games in weeks eleven, twelve, thirteen. Right on paper, you go okay. At Houston, Atlanta at home, and then at the Giants on paper, maybe they could win these three games. But then you mention you dive into it, the Houston game. Is on a short week and it's a third Road game in four weeks yep. and it's Your 11th straight game so then The week 12 against Atlanta now You're you're back home But you're banged up you know Your bye week's coming up it's a super Late bye week so that Atlanta And those in that Giants game They end up being harder than they should be Because your team's probably not in, in Great shape physically at that point No nope. no nope. and then Even even more so you look At it 49ers coming off a 10-day rest in week 16 and week 18 Cowboys coming off a 10-day rest it's it's just the background of the schedule they're playing teams with a bunch of mini buys I mean the last three games in a row they lose too right week 16 17 and 18 yeah I mean it's just a brutal 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 stretch so what do you have them at I have them at five six wins you know yeah items items six to to seven only because Maybe the defense can be can be strong if if early in the year their defense can stay healthy and they're able to have like Young and Sweat and Allen all playing together, then I'll play this team in spots. This is this just isn't a team I would try to lock up in any type of futures or any type of over win total. But they could be if Wentz is just competent out there. Now they bring in uh, Dotson. If he gives them a little bit of something with, Along with Curtis Samuel who If he's healthy For them it just it comes down to health right Logan Thomas he's super talented But he is banged up all the time Like how, how can you ever count on him um, Offensively to be a big piece They They're competent and I think they could Still be a little bit better Than they were last year where they had Heineke playing a lot If Wentz just isn't turning the ball over But I still don't think that they're Probably any better than third in this division I think third at best um, You mentioned their defense Just a couple of quick things um, You know Landon Collins was playing that hybrid Linebacker safety position He really looked lost last year um, He's no longer with the team Chase Young missed a, a good part With that ACL injury But I really think the main thing is Is that they um, They were playing zone And when you have a player like Will, William Jackson Who's Arguably one of the better man coverage guys in the league and you're playing zone. He's lost out there last nine weeks of the season. They didn't allow over 226 yards passing. So if they continue with that man coverage, 
get young back. I think this is a real good defense. And, you know, look, there's some unders drafted. to play maybe. Yeah. And then just in good well, in matchups, of, big numbers. Fantasy. Yeah. In terms oh, of yeah. Fantasy. fantasy for sure. Yeah. I mean, they haven't, they're the 18th defense going off the board. They're not getting drafted. But if you just, just kind of look at the first half and the back half. Well, week week one, there. they're home against Jacksonville. Yeah, which is a great spot. It's a great spot. Um, you know, and then, um, um, you know, we talked about a little about it last night on um, the, the BTV thing. Uh, the BTV pot, excuse me, the BTV stream. You know, maybe Bates is a, um, is a um, fantasy guy you can look to target. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson Wentz is the highest, you know, target share to tight ends. And he really doesn't target the wide receiver. Yeah, I know that kind of gets a little bit skewed because of his time in Philly. But, uh, you know, it's just something to kind of target. You may were mentioning uh, William Jackson. Yeah, uh, he only allowed 105 yards from week 10 on in 217 coverage snaps. So in a lot of opportunity to get picked on, he played really, really well once they sort of changed the the scheme around for him. Yeah, I'll look to play this team in some, in some individual spots here and there. A uh, couple that I'm looking at, too. Someone like... Uh, Diami Brown could be a really interesting DFS play some weeks because as I was mentioning some of those wide receivers he's someone who they were high on last year coming in and he just didn't play well at all I think he had eight catches there's all this buzz about him with a much better attitude what I, I like hearing that versus physical stuff if you tell me somebody's attitude changed and their work ethic changed those are the things that I like that maybe the light bulb goes off a little bit for me when they come in and they go, Oh, they look like they're catching every ball and this and that. Like everyone says that. But when you say this person's attitude change and they're working a lot harder and they seem like they're sort of getting it maturity, those are the things I look for. Maybe he could be like a, someone to look to at least to play in some DFS lineups throughout the year. Washington. My favorite, you, my favorite saying is running with the ones. That's my favorite saying this time of year. Oh, right. Yeah. He's running with the ones. Right. Because the four others are ahead of him. They're all out. Yeah, he's running with the ones. Yeah. That's my, that's my favorite saying this time of year. Washington. We'll see if they can get back to holding their head on the, the really strong defense that they look to have out there. And you mentioned that, you know, Trey Turner could, if he's not a, a horrible weak spot for them, maybe the, the line can be competent enough because they, they want to be a team that will. Okay. Let's, let's take it this way. If, you and I are looking at Washington at the end of the year and we say, and all of a sudden they're a 10 or 11 win team and they're a wild card team and they make the playoffs. Why is it? I, it's I because the defense carried and they, their defense played like they played the last nine games of the year. Yep. And Carson Wentz didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, exactly. Right They're They're not going to try to outscore you a whole ton. They want to still less possessions defense, you know, play well, maybe a defensive Turnover a score here and there And then set you up well to where Wentz can make a play or two You have a, a nice McLaren there and, and you hope that you can run the ball A little bit better and your line is fine That's if they're good I think that's probably their template right Yeah for sure for sure. Yep. Let's get to uh, anything else about Washington Before we move to the Giants uh, No that's it Let's finish up the NFC East With the New York Giants the Giants now with a, a new coaching staff. The Giants will have an over/under of you seen seven and a half. Uh yeah, seven and a half across the board. 
seven and a half. So Daniel Jones still a quarterback here. Saquon Barkley is the running back. They look to have at least with some of the moves that they're making and in reading between the lines and in reading some of the stuff that the the staff is saying, they feel like they at least have a little bit of purpose and they're trying to build uh, a good defensive front and be a team that can put a little defensive pressure on the uh, on the opposition. Yeah, they brought in Martindale, and that's huge because he likes to blitz. He likes to bring the pressure. Um, my one worry with that is he allows players to kind of audible and go rogue. Are we going to see this young team abuse that privilege? That's a legit concern for me. Um, they did bring in the kid from Oregon. There is a little bit of concern if what his motor is, what he's like. Um, but I think he's going to do fine there. Yeah. You know, Martin Dale's his player coach. Uh, and and he'll, what's nice now. about him is that he will also be set up with some other talented guys up front like Williams and Lawrence. So he's someone that they probably won't be able to pick on a whole lot on the other on the uh, offensive line. Right. You can't completely just take him out of the game and make things really difficult on on the young kid because they do have a couple other pieces on their defensive front. Um, you know, Martin, even in the linebacking core, Blake Martinez was someone who had has had some bad years or some years that maybe look a little bit better on paper, but he actually improved and got a pretty good uh, pro football focused grade uh, last that we saw him. So defensively, they have some oh, their front seven isn't awful. My main thing with them last year is I felt they needed someone to create pressure. Yep. If the kid from Oregon um, is that guy, I think this defense takes a huge step up. But that's going to be the big pressure. They obviously addressed it by getting Martindale. Uh, one of the worries is, though, is that has people figure him, figured out his scheme? Just because the Ravens defense has a bunch productive the last two years, you know, you can give the Ravens defense a little bit of a gimme, um, a little bit of a gimme um, this year, just because last year, just because of the injuries and whatnot. Let's. Uh... Talk a little bit more about the Giants as we finish up here The secondary, some question marks They need Xavier McKinney to take another step forward here But that'll probably be an area of weakness You know, their wide receivers are are a, an interesting group They have a high ceiling, but a really low floor Like, I could see any range for their wide receivers Kenny Galladay has not been great for them But you are someone who knows Kenny Galladay He can have... Really good stretches, really good games, and very good years. And Tony looked pretty good last year. And if they can be your top two, now all of a sudden you fill in with guys like Shepard, uh, Wandale Robinson, you have Slay. Now that's not a bad group, but they need a lot more from Galladay than what he got last year, whether it was consistency, poor play, injuries, a combination of all of that. Galladay needs to be calling Matt Stafford or texting Matt Stafford every day of the week. <laughs> yeah. Just saying thank you. Uh, I know. He's really shown how good Staff- Stafford actually made him. Yep. Um, you know, in terms of the offense, he's just going to, the Bulls just going to dumb it down the simplest. You know, you mm-hmm. look at what uh, he did with the Bills. You know, he had two players, two wide receivers on the outside. They ran goes. Then there's a lot of underneath stuff, you know, crosses. If he rolled out, you know, a lot of stuff coming back to the uh, back to the quarterback, it's going to be one to two reads, not there. They're just going to tell him, put your head down and go. And that's based. I think that's what they're going to do with Daniel Jones. A lot more shotgun sets. He's going to run. You feel a lot more, right? Like, yeah, 
I think he's going to run a lot more. And then, like, the thing is, is, like, so, like, I, I've said this on your show before. Um, we're actually going to see, like, how good the bull is. Um, you know, it's been told to me by a couple guys in the NFL. They didn't think Allen would have made the jump to where he is now if it wasn't for COVID just because of his work ethic. Um, they said with everything was shut down, it just forced him to work out. So, you know what I mean? Like, is is the bull really this big whisperer everyone thinks he is? Or was it Jordan Palmer that did everything? Or was it just COVID just forced, you know, Allen to work out? So can he pick know. this team up, right? Can he pick up a team that maybe not as talented? Can he get the best out of Daniel Jones and have his decision-making be improved here? They And then their offensive line, I feel, is better. You know, they got Neil. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think that's a good pick. Now you got two bookend tight bookend tackles. Good for the outside zone. They want to, excuse me, they like to run. Um, and um, Thomas was bad in year one, but he was a lot better last year. He was, he definitely was much improved for them. Um, it's, they're just a weird, you know, I just, I can't like be all that excited about them, but they, they should be better in spots. Last they have year, some great spots on the on the schedule, and and they last just, year their staff gave up on them. They would be down in games where it was like down, they're down fourteen or seventeen points in early in the third quarter, and their team is just running the ball on third and ten, third and seven, like manageable third downs. They didn't even try. It was it was embarrassing watching some yeah. of their games when their staff just decided to give up. Yeah, it was it was bad, like you said. It was legitimately like really bad. Um, you know, before Jones got hurt, they were right in it with the uh, with the Cowboys on that uh, Sunday af- late mm-hmm. late Sunday afternoon game. Yep. Um, I think they're going to be improved. I think they're going to get better coaching. Kind of shows you like a special teams coach with no experience really shouldn't be getting like a marquee head coaching job. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't know. There's just some great situations. I have them right at right a little below the number. I have them winning seven games. So I have them six, six, seven. Yeah. Also with you, because they have the early part of their schedule at Tennessee, then home for Carolina, uh, Dal- home for Dallas, home for Chicago. So they have three home games in a row, weeks two, three, and four. If they can come out of there with two and two. They'd feel really good. That would be a good spot. Then they go to Jackson or they go to London. They come back and they play Baltimore and the two road games before their bye. I think after the bye, very winnable games, home Houston, home for Detroit. The end of the season is a little bit tough because they close with three out of the last four on the road. And the, the game that's not on the road right before that is Philly. So they play Philly two out of the last five times when we think Philly may be Starting to roll and build up some momentum And then they have a couple road games In that stretch too but I, I think this is going to be a fine team I think they'll be improved they, I will look to play them as dogs in spots for sure What were some of the ones you were looking at? Uh, week two Play the Panthers After the Panthers play uh, Play the um, play the, the Browns. Browns You know let down spot after the Mayfield Bowl Week six this is probably the best spot In the whole NFL season uh, the Ravens play the Bengals in week five, which they got embarrassed both times by last year. They definitely have that spot circled. And then in week seven, they play the Browns. And as of right now, when we're recording this, and that could change because Watson did appeal a suspension and how the NFL works, 
Bacon actually increases his suspension with the appeal. So as of right now, Watson should is supposed to be there for that game seven. So you know what I mean? Just a good little kind of a letdown flat sandwich spot to get the Ravens. Uh, week 13, they play the Commanders off of extended rest and the Commanders' third road game in four weeks. Phenomenal spot. Week 15, they play the Commanders off the bye. I'm not high on the Vikings at all. They're at Minnesota on week 16. That's their third road game in four weeks. Kind of a brutal spot. But week 17, the Colts are going to be very valued. Colts are coming off a Monday night football game on the West Coast. Then you have that 1 p.m. kickoff on the East Coast in the Eastern time zone, excuse me. So that's kind of a little bit of a tough spot, kind of a spot. You know, I kind of got circled for the uh, for the Giants. The Giants are the final of the NFC East teams for us to discuss this week. So next week, where are we going to go? Uh, we're going to go to the South. No, no, do you want to? Yeah, we'll go, we'll go South. NFC okay. South next week. Then we'll go to the North. Then we'll go to the West. So we'll go NFC South next week. As we continue along, just a few weeks out from the start of the NFL season, Eric, my man, what do you got coming up this week uh, with your shows? Tell us about some of the content you have coming out. Um, I got the podcast that comes out on Friday. Um, we're you're going to be on it talking a little Louisiana Downs racing. Big big week, big day of racing there on Saturday. Uh, XFL Jim's going to be giving out some uh, CFL bets. Uh, Brandon and I are going to be talking a little NASCAR, and then Nick and I did a fantasy football wide receiver talk. So we just kind of gave our top 10 players we're going to target, players we're going to fade, kind of stuff like that. So yeah, should be a, should be a good one. And then Jim and I do a college football uh, preview show that comes out on Monday. And then uh, on the live stream on Tuesday, you're going to be on it, giving out Saratoga bet and uh, your uh, former coworker. Uh, Dave Weaver is going to be on it Talking a little NFC West Awesome stuff, cool So loaded schedule coming up Like always, make sure to give uh, Eric a follow You hear him here every week You know the type of work that he puts in He will help lead you in the right direction Thank you so much my friend We'll talk some uh, NFC South next week Sounds good, talk soon Folks don't go anywhere, got a lot more to discuss On this episode, that's what G said So NFC East in the books We're going to dive on to the uh, NFC South next week with Eric. Anytime there's racing going on at Louisiana Downs, you know that we'll be covering it here on That's What G Said. And if you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. We'll also be providing coverage for you there. Come get involved this weekend. It's the big Saturday. Huge fields. 60 horses in the six stakes races. Not one of them has less than a field of eight. Going to be great betting opportunities Big thank you to Martha Clausen for hanging out with us. Thank you to Matt Crawford for joining us. Thanks again to State and Fleury. Good luck with a big weekend coming up. Thanks to Phil Cleek. Thanks to Robert from Louisiana Horse Reporters. And also to Eric for talking NFL with us on a big Louisiana Downs-themed show where we could also talk some NFC East. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We actually do have another episode of That's What G Said this weekend. We had double episodes because we wanted to have one that focused uh, very much on Louisiana. On the following episode, if you're looking around for another, we'll actually be talking some Saturday Del Mar and Saratoga best bets. We've got uh, an interview with uh, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. We finish up Miss Marvel with the series, the season finale, episode six, and then we'll also have the old wrestling rewatch, talking some WWE, the NXT 
takeover from a few years back. So if you want to check that out, lots of content coming up this weekend. But my uh, my eyes are definitely going to be on Louisiana Downs.